The serious side of the J. Ross Show is coming up next, right here on the TJRS Radio Network. My father's conversation with me was daily. My grandfather uh, talked to me as a, as, a, as a black man from Augusta, Georgia, growing up in the Deep South. Frightening. And I'm being very light when I use the word frightening. If something goes wrong, your first line of defense, uh, you know, your parents not being there, is to go to the police. If you're Caucasian. So, well, I, I mean, yes, still, that's what you still, teach your children. Unfortunately, uh, you know. it can't work for black children, right? right? Being an African-American is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful blessing. You have come from great people. What I love about you as my son is I remember when we thought about having you and, you know, knowing that we wanted you and watching you grow. You are the Muhammad Ali, you are the Malcolm X, you are the Martin Luther King. You are an amazing young man, and the future is yours. And I will do my best to make sure you're safe. That's it. I love you. Why should I vote? Nothing ever changes. The system is rigged. Why bother? Whether you're trying to get dinner on the table after working a double shift, dropping baby off with grandma, or studying for exams, voting can feel like the furthest thing from your mind. You might even feel like it's just not worth it. But that's exactly what some people want you to think. The truth is, when we stay home, things stay the same or they get worse. But when we all vote, we get new ideas and new energy. We get leaders who share our values and listen to our voices. That's how we change America. And that's why it's so important to register right now and vote this November. And in every election, go to whenweallvote.org or text WEALLVOTE to 97779 to get started. And know that your vote will make a difference. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Live from NPR News, I'm Giles Snyder. In Portland, Oregon, hundreds of protesters took to the streets Saturday for the 100th day of racial justice protests. Oregon Public Broadcasting's Conrad Wilson reports on uh, police moving to disperse the crowd early in the evening. The crowd marched towards a Portland Police Bureau precinct earlier in the night before police declared a riot. Police say and postings on social media show a few protesters threw Molotov cocktails that exploded into flames in the street. Police responded with tear gas and arrests. Since the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Portland has seen some of the most consistent protests in the country. Activists here say they want $50 million defunded from the city's police bureau and reinvested in other community programs. This weekend's protests come following two deaths. Last weekend, far-right supporter Aaron J. Danielson was shot and killed in downtown Portland. On Thursday, police killed far-left Antifa supporter Michael Rinell in Washington State, who was wanted in Danielson's murder. 
for NPR News. I'm Conrad Wilson in Portland. Also more unrest last night in Rochester, New York. Thousands demanded resignations of the city's mayor and police chief over the death of Daniel Prude in police custody. Here's NPR's Brian Mann. Marchers gathered on the street where Daniel Prude, a black man, lay in March naked with a hood over his head surrounded by officers. Christopher Coles told the crowd people want justice. This is the first time that the world is standing up for black lives. It's seeing us for the first time. When the crowd turned toward Rochester's main police station, a large force of officers used tear gas in a military-style vehicle to scatter the protest. Turn around, disperse from the area immediately. New York's Attorney General Letitia James announced she is convening a grand jury as part of the investigation into Prude's death. Seven officers have been suspended. Brian Mann, NPR News, Rochester, New York. There were also clashes in Louisville, Kentucky this weekend before the pandemic-delayed running of the Kentucky Derby. Our members of a right-wing militia got into shouting matches with Black Lives Matter protesters in a park downtown. Overseas rescue teams have been working around the clock to uncover a possible survivor of last month's massive port explosion in Beirut. Now, Holmesy has the latest. After 72 hours of searching for a possible survivor trapped underneath the wreckage of the collapsed building, the Chilean rescue team leading the operation say they have found no signs of life. They have been digging since Thursday afternoon when sensors detected a breath under the wreckage. A rescue dog trained in sniffing out humans had also indicated the possibility of a survivor. A potential discovery had offered a glimmer of hope for Lebanese, still mourning after a massive explosion in Beirut's port ripped through half the city last month. In the end, the Chilean rescue team says three levels were uncovered. Not even a body was found. For NPR News, I'm Nada Hamsi in Beirut. And this is NPR. Coming up next on The Serious Side. At 43, after a valiant four-year fight, Chadwick Boseman lost his battle with colon cancer Friday, his wife and family beside him. Trump was elected to protect our families from the vengeful mob that seeks to destroy our way of life, our neighborhoods, schools, churches, and values. Look at what's happening in American cities. Cities all run by Democrats. Crime, violence, and mob rule. You may have seen us defending our home as a mob of protesters descended on our neighborhood. What you saw happen to us could just as easily happen to any of you who are watching from quiet neighborhoods around our country. They'll disarm you, empty the prisons, lock you in your home, and invite MS-13 to live next door. The fact is, I'm here. What's the name of that building? But I'll say it differently. The fact is, we're here, and they're not. Daniel, certainly there's a lot to break down from the president's more than hour-long speech. Anderson, this president is a serial liar, and he serially lied tonight. I counted preliminarily more than 20 false or misleading claims. Tonight, new details on the teenager investigators say showed up in Kenosha armed with a rifle and allegedly opened fire on demonstrators protesting the police shooting of Jacob Blake. Welcome to the serious side of the J. Ryle Show with Kathleen Williams, Mrs. Vanessa Maybell, Mr. Jerome Esprit, 
the official texter of the show, Mr. Johnny D and Mr. Elias. Now here is your host, Jay Wow. Thank you so much and good Sunday morning to you. Today is September 6, 2020, and here are the topics that we will be talking about today right here on the serious side. Remembering the King, last Friday, Chadwick Boseman, the man known as the Black Panther, died after his four-year battle with colon cancer at a young age of 43. This morning, we will remember the King of Wakanda, Wakanda forever. Lies, lies, and more lies. The RNC convention happened over a week ago, and the lies that were spewed throughout that conference has still left a bad taste in my mouth. And this morning, we must address this nonsense. I know it's late, but we got to put our two cents in. Double standards. We'll take a look at the double standards of policing when it comes to white Americans versus black Americans. You saw it on full display during that horrific, horrific shooting of Jacob Blake in the aftermath. What happened to the young man who shot and killed two people and how he was treated by the police. But as always, I never share the stage by myself. Let me introduce you to some of the very best in the business. First up, this lady's on vacation. She's chilling. She's having a wonderful time. But I'm pretty sure why she's on vacation. She watches MSNBC, CNN, and I'm pretty sure there's some Trump people around. She does all this so you don't have to. She's a trooper. She's with us this morning. Let's say good morning to the very lovely Miss Vanessa Maybell from the Mackinac. Good morning, Vanessa. Why are you here? Why are you enjoying that beautiful, those beautiful pictures that you sent me this morning? What are you doing? You know what? Good morning, Jay. I'm out in Freeport on the Gulf. But uh, as a matter of fact, there are some Trump people that are right behind me, but they don't have the flag flying on the top. There are flags on the bottom. I guess the the resort out here told them they can't be flying them out out willy-nilly. But they're here. They're right behind me. But you know what? Mm -hmm. Y'all are my family. Y'all are my family also. So until everybody get moving around, I'm going to be on the phone talking to y'all until everybody gets stirred up and start making breakfast. And I'm here with y'all. I love y'all. I'm here. I'm here. Oh, my goodness. Look at this. Confessions early this morning by my big sis. Good morning, and thank you so much for being a trooper and hanging out with us, because I can't wait to hear what you have to say. All right. Uh, The man who I call the educator, brother, my little brother, the man who brings it every Sunday morning, I tell you what, can't wait to hear what he has to say as well. The one and only Johnny D in the place to be, man. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I am certainly thankful to have an opportunity to 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 be in existence uh thankful for god's grace and mercy and thankful for this group of contributors and the opportunity to be a participant in this show uh miss vanessa you once again embody uh my vision of retirement as you and the mister gets an opportunity to just travel america and see both the good and bad of 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 what American society has to offer. So, good morning to you. Good morning to Dr. Williams, Mr. Jerome, and Les. Uh, as you orchestrate and, and 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 run the show, as Jay likes to to indicate each week, and, and to my big brother, uh, thirty plus years, thirty plus years of, of friendship and love, that. and to those wow. individuals that allow us not to to come into their homes each week. Uh, Lots to talk about, um, lots to talk about, and I'm looking forward to it. 
Looking forward to hearing from you as well, sir, and the man who runs everything around here. We call him the boss. That you know, I don't care. I can't think of anything that rhymes with the cost or the boss. Okay, anyway, he's the host with the most. He is the man himself, my brother from another mother, the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Good morning, sir. I'm doing well. I'm glad to I'm glad to be here. Good morning. How are you doing, sir? Uh, good morning, Nessa. Good morning, Soror. Good morning, Hulk. Good morning, Jerome. Good morning. And good morning to all of you that welcome us into your homes every Sunday, like Johnny D. said. The number is 347-850-1272. Our dear friend, uh, Jerome Esprit, our family members, him and Kathleen Williams, are off this morning. Uh, can't wait for them to be back in the fold, but until then, we kind of hold it down. Uh, once again, the number is 347-850-1272. Chat room should be open. You can also follow the show on the different websites that we monitor throughout the course of the show, and you can call in to talk to us. If not, if you're bashful and shy, uh, we give you the opportunity to contact us and speak to us as well. And if your comments are really, really good, we'll read them during the chatterbox section of the show, which is about 90 minutes from now. But until then, we have a lot to get into, a lot to talk about. We were out last week because there were some technical difficulties with the site, so unfortunately we were not able to get on the air, but we had a lot to talk about then and always in the week. A week in the presidency of Donald Trump, I tell you what, there's 15,000 stories. There's not enough time to talk about some of the nonsense that are going on, so we're going to talk about some of the things that we want to talk about this morning, and let's get this show started. A cinematic king has fallen. An actor as iconic to his fans as the legends he's played on screen. At 43, after a valiant four-year fight, Chadwick Boseman lost his battle with colon cancer Friday, his wife and family beside him. What a gentle, gifted soul, showing us all that greatness in between surgeries and chemo. This is what dignity looks like. A flood of online tributes from former co-stars to a former president. Brother, you were one of the all-time greats, and your greatness was only beginning. Lord love you, rest in power, King. To be young, gifted, and black, to use that power to give them heroes to look up to, to do it all while in pain, what a use of his years. Bozeman found fame as the star of the groundbreaking Marvel superhero film Black Panther. Only reason I don't kill you while you stand is because I know who you are. But he also played real-life black heroes Jackie Robinson in 42. Just give him out. Until we can find somebody better, it's you and me. Thurgood Marshall in Marshall. And soul singer James Brown in Get On Up. Bozeman, a Howard University graduate, saw his success as a tool to inspire the generations behind him. Sometimes you need to get knocked down before you can really figure out what your, what your fight is. His deadly illness largely kept offstage. In April, this post showing Bozeman's decline as he celebrated Jackie Robinson. I can't think of a better time to remember my hero. While working through his pain, he eased it for others, giving comfort at the bedside to children battling cancer. We all have a superhero in us. And in real life, they're even braver than in the movies. What a uh, profound loss. Uh, I can't tell you, I was shook and rocked when I heard the news that the Black Panther, 
the actor who portrayed the Black Panther, uh, my man Chad Gawn. Um What a loss. I mean, uh, wow. Let me just start right there. Mr. Elias, man, when you got the news that Mr. Bozeman had passed away, man, uh, tell us what went through your mind, brother. Well my, well, my first thought was, okay, here's another hoax. But then I, you know, started checking. Yeah, exactly, man. exactly. And then I still not when I found out that it was true, man. I got misty eyed because the, you know, the young brother was, man, he was he was a phenomenal human being, man. More than an actor, he was just a phenomenal human being, and and you know, just wow. I mean, and every 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 person he portrayed. Like I, I looked at some of the old tapes of James Brown when James Brown was moving the way James Brown was moving. He danced just like James, man. He studied his craft, and you know, I, I just, man, I, 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 I was in shock. I was in total shock that this this young brother was gone so soon, and nobody ever knew he was sick. Nobody knew. I never knew it. I, I, I didn't. I, you know, and people were talking about how skinny he was. I never, I never got into the gist of of him, him, all the weight loss that he had. But I, I you know, for him to go through chemo and surgeries. In between films, and, and and still get out there and get the performances that he gave. Mm. Uh, hey man, just a phenomenal, just a phenomenal human being, man. And you know he's gonna be sorely missed because man, <laughs> Black Panther's never gonna. I, I don't care who you put in there, it's never gonna be the same. And he told the story of when he was in college, how uh, there would be no Black Panther without Denzel Washington. And, you know, because Denzel Washington gave him a scholarship to keep going to college, man. So, hey, man, this this brother it was just a phenomenal human being, you know. And I think all the piece of craps that that are, that are left here, they, they could have, you know, somebody else could have been gone. Because this, this brother was phenomenal. All I can say is Wakanda forever, man. Wow. You know, Vanessa, uh, I've read a lot of things about him over the past week, and a lot of people were saying, wow, all this over an actor. I mean, really, there's no such thing as a Wakanda. There's no such thing as a Black Panther. It's all fictional. So why the big fuss? And if someone came to you with those remarks, what would be your response? Um, I probably would have said something like, well, y'all would be having a fit if Tom Cruise died, so, you know, what's the deal with that? I mean, I, I, I just would have said something probably smart or just rolled my eyes and kept walking because sometimes things don't deserve a response. So I don't know if I would have said anything to them today other than roll my eyes and gave them that sister look and walked off because some stuff just doesn't deserve a response. And they would have known I would have been irate. I just wouldn't have, it just, I just wouldn't have responded. I would have rolled my eyes at them and walked off. I really would have. You know, because but, I, you know, I didn't Vanessa, know this guy would be so much. You didn't know what? I didn't know he played in all of that stuff. I didn't. Jackie Robinson yeah. and people were talking about him when he looked really bad, and now they feel bad because they were talking about him and they didn't realize he had counsel. So one man apologized on the air. You know, he, you know. I, I just yeah, it was his co act. Yeah, a, a, a co star. Yeah. 
It was a co-star, yeah, that dad apologized. He said that he was treated like a prima donna on the set. And he yeah. felt that, uh, I think he said he had a conversation with his wife, and his wife said, so how is the guy? He's kind of a prima donna. This Black Panther thing has gone to his head. But uh, this actor, and yep. I can't think of his name now. I'll get it for you. He yep. started crying on the air. He said, I didn't know. I didn't know he was going through it. I really didn't realize that those about. people were there. Yeah, people thought that he did. He said he didn't know those people were there to take care of him, and and he felt really, really, really bad for having those negative thoughts going through chemo. But they were giving him a I've, massage and rubbing his mm-hmm. feet and all that kind of stuff in between the set. Yeah, in between the uh, the takes. Yeah. And uh, he didn't know that this man was going through what he was going through. You know, Johnny D, um, you know, once again, people talked about, I remember when Black Panther came out and how it really, I mean, matter of fact, I think it's the highest grossing uh, black superhero action movie ever. And I think it actually is the third highest grossing movie of all times. People didn't realize what type of impact Black Panther had. And folks had to stereotype that you can't have an, uh, you know, some type of show or movie that has a predominantly black audience and that is, that is going to be successful. And it just rocketed and just broke all types of box office records. So, when you see all these different tributes to this man and you hear some of the comments when he's just an actor, let's get on with it, what would be your response if someone came to you with that, with those remarks? How would you set them straight? You know, Jay, I, I, I will say this here. Uh, I think sometimes the, the lack of understanding about a culture, uh, particularly a, a culture, the, the African-American culture, you know, a black man and black woman living in America. You know, mm-hmm. most of us were were born in in the '60s. Uh, uh, some of us may be a little younger, but we came up through an era where it was very rare that we saw uh, black Americans depicted on television. So we covered those those shows. Um, I mean, you can almost look at handfuls that, even though we may have been in roles that, you know, uh, exploited those black exploitation films, those maids uh, such as, you know, the, the Louise Jeffersons and, and, and the Florida Evans and, you know, the James Evans uh, with Good Times. We, we, we rallied to the television because we just wanted to see ourselves depicted on, on television and on the big screen. And... You know, I remember every every Saturday morning, I always wanted to to look at, you know, uh, Schoolhouse Rock, uh, just to be educated uh, briefly on, you know, the the American Constitution. But that was a prelude to Fat Albert, you know. So we looked at ourselves in these images, never to think that one day that there would be a Marvel hero, the Black Panther. For years, I've been reading about the Black Panther, but never would I have ever envisioned it coming to the big screen. Now, I'm not a Marvel person, but certainly, you know, the the, the acclaim that this movie was getting led me to want to see it and 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 be and, and sit there and, and watch it with, with with my youngest son, and and we both enjoyed it, and and I found myself looking at it, you know, a second time. So to to hear that. Uh, Mr. Bozeman had passed. Um, you know, particularly my favorite role that he played was was Marshall. Uh, I, I liked the swagger that he had. 
And I was only hoping that, you know, Thurgood Marshall was as smooth as he was then. He was he was the predated Barack Obama, mm-hmm. uh, to be quite honest with you. So, mm. you know, this, this this gentleman really touched the lives, uh, not only just in, in the role of Panther, uh, which is probably the greatest acclaim, but, you know, a couple of weeks prior to that, I, I remember, and, and, I, and I'm like you and Les, when I first saw it pop up on my app, I'm like, Okay, um, you know, it's a lot of stories that come up that, that need to be vetted. But a couple of weeks before that, I just sat there and watched Message from the King um, on, on Netflix. And I was thinking, okay, yeah. well, this kind of went up under the radar, but this was pretty pretty decent. You know, it, it was a different type yeah. of role, but it was pretty decent, you know. Um, yeah. But again, you know, the young man is, is, is worth his acclaim. And, you know, honestly... Uh, you know, it, it, it just goes to show that that sometimes the young do die, do die young. I mean, the the, 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 yeah. the good do die young, and and that seems to be a contributing factor throughout Hollywood. But in this case, you know, yeah. to think that he made seven movies during the time that he was suffering from colon cancer is really remarkable. But I, I will say this here, okay? As as African American men. And as a people, we have to get out of the stigma and the stereotype. Now, I don't know Mr. Bozeman's medical history, nor do I claim to be, but I know that there is a lot of African-American men that I've talked to throughout my years who sat back and be like, man, I'm not getting no colonoscopy. I'm not doing that. You know, I'm not getting no Mm -hmm. prostate. Medically, we have to look after our health and release those stigmas and those stereotypes, you know. Mm -hmm. Since I turned 40 years of age, I've been doing tests that they said I should have waited until I was 50. So, you know, I've dispelled the fact that, you know, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that, or, you know, I'm not going to let nobody be intrusive to me right there. No, I want to be healthy. I owe it to my family. I owe it to myself. And, you know, we just yep. got to be more educated on the health. And like I say, not saying that he deprived himself, but I'm saying that there's no, a lot right. of men who we know every day who yep. sit back and say, okay, I ain't doing this. I ain't doing that like that. Yep. You, you, you have to be well, more healthy, definitely. And like I say, well, yeah. you know, God bless the brother. Well, think about he, it. He will forever live on, 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 on big screen and in our hearts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Think about it. I mean, you know, think about you know the fact that uh, everybody knows what happens from a prostate exam and when you go through a colonoscopy. I've had two. I need to go get another one. Uh, but you're absolutely correct. We need to start taking care of ourselves. And, you know, this should shoot as a warning to a lot of those who are out there, uh, you know, especially African-American men. Get out here and get yourself checked. You know, for me, uh, when people talk about, you know, what role he played in his very short, you know, I hear people, sometimes when people pass, you know, we say things that, um, you know, that in the moment they sound like the right thing to say and do. Uh, you know, I heard someone say that he's the greatest, um, you know, black actor of all time. I'm not going to agree with that. I think, you know, Denzel Washington can make a claim for that. But I, I think that when you think about the impact that he has had, that movie, that one movie, and yeah, he portrayed Jackie Robinson and Thurgood Marshall, and I, I get that, but that one movie, I just remember the atmosphere when Black Panther was out. And yeah, it's fictional and all these different things, but what it meant to, you know, our people, the fact that we have a black superhero. And this guy was, I mean, he was the reason why I watched the rest of them. I mean, once I saw Black Panther, I'm like, okay, I need to watch the rest of them because I can't wait to see the Panther in action. And he represented such a role model in this movie. And, he, and here's the thing that really gets me is that he embraced it. 
that's the most important thing. He embraced it. He knew what he was dealing with. And he embraced that model. He decided that, hey, I understand how important this role are to people. People live in fantasy. You know, we talk about on this show all the time how there are folks, they put stuff out there on social media, you know, in the bad way. For example, remember the person that showed up at that pizzeria because someone said that Hillary Clinton had some type of child molestation going on in there? People believe some of this nonsense. So when you are playing in roles like this, you know, you have to remember that there are folks who think that that's really the case. I was watching something the other day. They were talking about, you know, Gilligan's Island. And I know you guys are saying, where is he going with this? But it was, it, they talked about how they would receive telegrams from people saying, you guys haven't gotten off that island yet. I mean, people who really watched this and thought it was real. So there are some of those folks out there in society who really <laughs> embrace this. They talked wow. about how, remember the report came out when when this movie first hit that all these different travel agencies were receiving, you know, requests to go visit Wakanda. And, and people, you know, it, it didn't exist, but people wanted to go because it felt like it was ours. So, you know, to me, uh, this guy's passing was major, a major, major loss. And like Oprah Winfrey said, there's a void that uh, that is going to have to be filled. There's a void that uh, who knows what he could have done. So uh, you know, rest in peace and, and and God, you know. Here's one other question I want to ask you, Vanessa, and and then we got to go to break. Um, I was reading something and they were saying that you know he should have told Marvel that he was fighting colon cancer because when you are you know, the face of a billion, because think about it, this is all about dollars and cents when it all boils down. When you are the, the, the main character in the billion-dollar enterprise, you know, you have to make sure that there's some type of secession plan in place. You should have told them, they said, people are saying he should have told Marvel that he had colon cancer or he was diagnosed so they could have, you know, been prepared for it. Marvel, you know, thank God, they're not taking the bait. They didn't um, respond. Uh, they're saying we're grieving the loss of our king. But, you know, what do you say to people who say things like that, Vanessa? What's your first thought process? Should he have said something to them about the fact that he was dealing with this, knowing the amount of money that they were investing in, in him and his image and, and everything that goes with it? What do you think? Did you see, did you see the children who... Uh, this little boy made a circle of the Marvel comics, and then he had Rakat, the the guy in the middle dead. Did you, anybody see that little boy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to yeah, I was going to bring that up too. Yeah, that's something that people are talking about. That was, yeah, you know, we, that's that's why they spent so much money because this guy was so powerful and his character was so powerful, and especially to um, to young black people. And even before he came out. I think I just took a picture of my bedspread just in my RV of the, the Captain America comic that's on my bed. And, Jay, do you remember that you came out to my house because Bobby's 60th birthday party? Uh, everybody was Superman, Batman, the adventure stuff. Do you remember that when you came out to my house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember that. Mm. So so people, people take these comic things and characters and, you know, they take it seriously and but to but to the black children, this this man was somebody special to the black children. To have a black yeah. superhero that looked like them, it's like to have a black president, yeah. somebody who looked like them. So 
I think every dime they ever yeah. spent trying to get that character up was worth it. Yeah. Oh yeah, it paid it paid tenfold what people were saying. You know, it's like any time like a business, you know, you have a a, a billion dollar business or any type of franchise, you know, you make sure that you have a succession plan in place just in case something happens. And unfortunately, I'm pretty sure they were looking like, Hey, this guy's in tip top condition. We don't need to require him to take a physical, um but it was a private battle. I, don't I think, think he so, did that Jay. because Well, I well, no, they did they didn't make it require him. Uh, he knew he was sick, but there were a few people that knew. I think there were a few people outside of his family. I think the guy who produced 42 yeah. was in the loop. His trainer knew. Uh, and kudos to them for keeping it secret. I mean, listen, yeah. he must have came to them and said, look, this is a personal battle that I'm dealing with. And the bottom line is I want to fight this battle. I think I can beat it. And people were – and reports are saying that he thought, matter of fact, he was about to prepare to bulk up. For Panther Two, which will be which will be which will begin, excuse me, filming in March of 2021, and he thought he said he thought all the way up until about until about a week before he passed that he thought he was going to be able to beat it, and uh, but then when the reality set in, I think that uh, I think he secretly married his uh, his uh, longtime partner, and and um, you know God, it's I just can't imagine. And when you look at some of the interviews, Mr. Elias, that he was giving, talking about kids who had cancer and how he got choked up, and, and you know, no one knew that he was mm-hmm. fighting that personal battle as well. And so I think, in a way, uh, through their eyes, he saw his immortality, and it's just, um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a sad yeah. situation. It really, yeah. truly is. Yeah. yeah. Really and truly is. All right, let's get uh, let's get out to the phone lines. We have Steve out here. Let's get get in Steve here real quick. Steve, Steve, I got to give you thirty seconds. I got to go to break, man. Good morning, man. Welcome into the series. Now, what's going on? Yes, Jay. I got my hundred dollar headset plugged in. Good morning. As far as Chad with Bulls is concerned, yes, uh, the funerals are getting younger and younger. I also had family members that uh, were tied in the fact that they had cancer as well and didn't tell anybody. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to look towards Japan. Uh, a lot of people think because our healthcare system is the most expensive, it's the best in the world. No. Japan has a group of 100 year olds, 90 year olds, and 80 year olds running marathons. They're the healthiest in the world, is Japan. They spend a fraction per person what we spend on healthcare. And I kept telling you guys, they think you have the best healthcare in the world. You go to your oncologist, which is a cancer doctor. And they know, they're supposed to know everything. Over 100 years ago, John Rockefeller bought out your medical schools. You do not have the best health care in the world. You have one of the worst. And I have personal experience with holistics, from asthma to glaucoma to pain in my fingers to I've got plenty of experience. Helped my father with his neuropathy in his legs. He had pain real bad in his legs. Almost about to be amputated, put him on a high-intensity interval training program stem cells is firing in his legs now and his, 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 his health is back to normal. He had to stop driving the truck. He had pain in his legs so bad. But ladies and gentlemen, you do not have the best health care system in the world and you need to check into holistics. Uh, Eric Berg on YouTube has got millions of subscribers. You got Dr. Joseph Mercola, the biggest free holistic website in the world. You need to look into holistics. You do not have the best health care Japan's got a group of 100-year-olds yeah. running marathons. That's how healthy they are. Yeah, I agree with are. you on that, Steve. 
Yeah, I got you. All right, man, listen, I, I got to get out of here. We appreciate you. Hang tight. We'll try to get you back in. You know, I mean, I've always said that I've seen a lot of j- people from Japan who are like, God, they're like fossils. And they're flying around here. I'm like, what are they doing over there that we're not doing here? So, you know, you take that information and you take it for what it's worth. All right, listen, it's time for this week's edition uh, for Informants Less, something that you need to know. And... um and you know what? I'm not even going to tease it. I'm just going to play it. So sit here. You sit back listening. We'll be back on the other side. You're listening to the serious side of the Jay Ryle Show. We'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. Do you think he'll win another term as president? So Donald Trump will do anything and everything within which to win. And I believe that includes um, manipulating the ballots. I believe that he would even go so far as to start a war in order to prevent himself from being removed from office. My biggest fear is that there will not be a peaceful transition of power in 2020. Michael Cohen claims he saw President Trump at his worst, writing in his new book, From Lewd Acts in a Sex Club in Vegas, to tax fraud, to deals with corrupt officials from the former Soviet Union, to catch and kill conspiracies, to silence Trump's clandestine lovers. I wasn't just a witness to the president's rise, I was an active and eager participant. Cohen, convicted of tax fraud and lying to Congress, is serving the remainder of his three-year prison sentence at home. The damning excerpts were released as the president took credit for establishing ties between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. Not since the Israel-Jordan peace treaty was signed more than 25 years ago has so much progress been made towards peace in the Middle East. As part of the pact, Israel will temporarily suspend its plans to annex parts of the West Bank that Palestinians are seeking for a future state. Without a permanent solution, a Palestinian spokesman said the agreement amounts to betrayal and demanded it be retracted. Mr. Trump talked about another deal, the stalled coronavirus relief bill. Democrats say it should include federal funding for mail-in voting, which the president argues would result in fraud. And if they're not going to approve a big bill, a bigger bill, and they're not going to have the $3.5 billion for the universal mail-in votes... How can you have those votes? What would mean is the people have to go to the polls and vote. Democrats say a refusal to support mail-in voting is part of a concerted effort to undermine the election. The president is afraid of the American people. He's been afraid for a while. He knows that on the legit, it'd be hard for him to win. President Trump insists in-person voting will be safe by Election Day, but has not explained why or how. As for that Michael Cohen book tonight, the White House is responding to those experts saying they are, quote, fan fiction written by a, quote, sad and desperate man who's just doing it to make money from book sales. Margaret? Welcome back in three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio at its best. Number three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Glad you guys are with us this Sunday morning. Last week, once again, we had some technical difficulties, so I know that uh, you didn't get your taste. 
And uh, But we're here this week, and uh, we're glad to be here. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of what you do every Sunday morning for those who listen every day and for those who are listening throughout the course of the week once again. As long as you get the information, we are happy. Let's get into the second topic. Trump was elected to protect our families from the vengeful mob that seeks to destroy our way of life, our neighborhoods, schools, churches, and values. Look at what's happening in American cities. Cities all run by Democrats. Crime, violence, and mob rule. You may have seen us defending our home as a mob of protesters descended on our neighborhood. What you saw happen to us could just as easily happen to any of you who are watching from quiet neighborhoods around our country. They'll disarm you, empty the prisons, lock you in your home, and invite MS-13 to live next door. The fact is, I'm here. What's the name of that building? Well, you know, that was, uh, I tell you what, real quick, and that's about how interesting it was. The RNC had their convention a few about a week ago, a week and a half ago, and um, obviously you heard all the lies that were told throughout that convention. And it topped off with the man himself spewing lies like he always does. You know, Vanessa, I thought about this, and I said to myself, I mean, I, what difference does it make? I mean, these people are going to believe this man anyway. So, I mean, are we just fighting a losing battle? We're 58 days away from the election. Do you honestly think that anyone's minds are going to be changed based on, you know, what people say from here until now, until the election? Do you honestly think it's going to make a difference? And, and you know, people are going to believe them. So what say you? I, I, I think that you still got people that's on the line, Jay. I think you have you people do? that's on the line. Really? I do. No, I ain't got okay. I know there are people that's on the line um, because they've messaged me on uh, Facebook, uh, side messaged me, and said that if I posted something that they weren't aware of, like like he's trying to do away with the Social Security and he's this no tax thing and who's going to fund it, you know, they were like, are you serious? Is this real? So, yeah, there are people that's on the line because they're saying if that's true, they're not going to vote for him. Because they don't want that to happen, and they believe that he would do away with Social Security and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, I don't have to think it. I know it's people that own the line because they have messaged me and tell me. You'd be well, let me ask you this, then. Well, let, me, let me ask you this then. Let, let me ask you this then. Let, let me rephrase the question. Do you think there's enough of them out there that will make a difference in the election? Because you know you're going to always have people that's going to be on the fence. No. Just like you know, okay, that's there you go. So that's where I was going. I don't. Do you think there's going to be enough of them to change or have any major impact in whether or not this man gets reelected or not? I'm just hoping that it's going to make enough of an impact on the people who don't normally get out and vote to get out and vote. And I also am hoping that I keep pressing to these young black children and minority children on my Facebook page to not vote for him. Because he got, what, 38% of the vote from minorities? So I'm, I'm trying to press to them and these youngsters to, to not vote for him. What, whoa, 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 stop. You said he has what? 38% of the vote from minorities? It was, it was 8% black. And it was what thirty twenty eight percent or something like that. My uh, minority people that voted for him. Remember, he got thirty eight percent or something like that. Jay of the vote for minorities. Yes, he did. Who had this conversation? 
Okay, give me one minute to get to the table and Google it, and I'm going to give you the numbers in a minute. No, no, I mean, yeah, I'm just saying 38% of the black vote the last election. I don't know. I didn't say that. I know he had 45%. She said minority. She said minority. Minority, okay. Okay, okay. That's a lie. I still, I don't know if that number's true, but you know, you could be, I don't know. I can't, you know, I can't say whether, I mean, it just sounds very shocking. That's a high number uh, for minorities to support him. We on the show about how many people that were not black that voted, he got that high number. We've had that number. I know he got 45, I know he got 45% of the white vote, white women voted for him, and like over, I think the participation for African Americans dropped like 70% for that election that they didn't show up, and the reason why he's in office is because of white women and the black vote didn't turn out. Now, I mean, I, now I've, I've seen those numbers, but at the end of the day, you know, and, and I'm not saying you're right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm just saying that that number sounds extremely high for me. But you know what? It could have been, Vanessa, because the bottom line is no one knew what he was all about. But once he stepped into office, uh, Johnny, then that's a whole different ballgame because now we have a track record of his governing. And I'll ask you the same question I asked Vanessa. Do you think there's enough people out there now that can change the trajectory of whether or not this guy, you know, uh, gets reelected? Because let me tell you something. There's a very good possibility he can get reelected. People are talking all this stuff. But when you kind of look at the numbers state by state, some of these, some of these races are tightening up. And so when – they spew lies the way they did. Matter of fact, before I let you answer, Johnny, I, I want you. We're gonna we, we want to fact check some of the things that he talked about. So let's play this clip, and then I want to give get you an opportunity to respond. But let's play the clip of you know uh, CNN fact checking some of the lies that were spewed throughout the four days of the RNC convention. <laughs> Daniel, certainly there's a lot to break down from the president's more than hour long speech. Anderson, this president is a serial liar, and he serially lied tonight. I counted preliminarily more than 20 false or misleading claims. I want to go through a whole bunch of them quickly because I think it's all important. Trump said Joe Biden is, quote, talking about taking down the border wall. Biden has specifically, explicitly rejected that idea. He just said he'll stop further additional construction. Trump claimed, as always, that he is the one who passed the Veterans Choice Law. Barack Obama signed that into law in 2014. Trump signed a 2018 law to modify it. Trump said, I have done more for the African-American community than any president since Abraham Lincoln. That is ludicrous. Lyndon Johnson, for one, signed the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. Trump again touted a, quote, record 9 million job gain over the past three months. He didn't mention, as usual, that that gain follows a record 22 million job loss over the previous two months. He said he'll, quote, continue to lower drug prices. They've increased during his presidency. He said they opened a Jerusalem embassy for less than 500,000. Early documents show it was at least 21 million. He claimed NATO member spending has increased for the first time in about 20 years. Spending, in fact, rose in 2015 and in 2016 before he took office. He said he will always and Republicans will always strongly protect people with pre-existing conditions. That pledge has already been broken. He and they have repeatedly tried to weaken those protections in Obamacare. He claimed, again, that he banned travel from China and Europe. No, he imposed partial restrictions with many exemptions. Tens of thousands of people continue traveling over. He boasted about the COVID testing system. And
and about his general response. Look, experts near universally say the U.S. was fatally slow in its response, especially slow in setting up adequate testing. He said that he ended what he called a NAFTA nightmare, and he signed a brand-new U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, the USMCA. That agreement preserves, maintains most of NAFTA. He boasted about building about 300 miles of border wall. What he didn't say is that most of that is a replacement barrier. As of August 7th, according to official data, just five miles had been built where none existed before. He suggested that Joe Biden would confiscate guns. That's baseless. Biden is running on a non-mandatory buyback of so-called assault weapons. He said Democrats want to defund the police. Biden, again, doesn't, has rejected that. He said he has, quote, very good information that China wants Biden to win because Biden is soft on China or cheerleads for China. The U.S. intelligence community says China wants Biden to win because it sees Trump as unpredictable. He said Biden vowed to close down charter schools. Biden's plan is skeptical on charters, but would not abolish them entirely. He denounced Biden for voting for the Iraq war. Biden did indeed vote for the Iraq war. But what Trump doesn't mention is that he also supported that invasion. He said Democrats twice removed the word God from the Pledge of Allegiance at their convention. Two individual caucus meetings outside the main primetime programming did leave it out, but it was uttered in every primetime event. Trump denounced so-called cancel culture as like an insidious left-wing thing. He, Donald J. Trump, has tried to get dozens of people and entities canceled, fired, boycotted, including literally last week, Goodyear. He said he imposed an order to give 10 years in prison to rioters. That's a maximum discretionary sentence up to judges in existing laws. His order just asked the government to fully enforce. And he said that Biden's plan would eliminate America's borders. No, just no. It's wrong. Oh, that's it? There's kidding. more. <laughs> wow. How much time do you got, Anderson? <laughs> Whew, take a breath. <laughs> and that's just from his speeches, his speech from the, the RNC. You know, so, Johnny, going back to you, do you honestly think that there are people out there who will be like, okay, well, I, you know, I still believe the president. I mean, there are people out there who are saying, hey, you know, we're convinced now. He told all these lies. They've been fact-checked. We, we, we really believe him now. We're really going to change. Do you honestly think there's enough people out there that can be persuaded in the last 58 days left in this, uh, this uh, campaign season? What do you think, man? You know, Jay, this is – this is our reality. Um, the political process is so polarized now that it and it really depends on what, what news source you listen to. So if you are a person who listens to our American news or Fox, then you will come away believing that everything that that young man just rallied off, uh, which is which is conceivably true based on what I've read and, and, and my understanding of certain aspects of what he pointed out Trump was lying about. Um, you've got two different Americas because you listen to two different news sources. And so can people be drawn into believing that, that Donald Trump is, is this great American patriot? Uh, some do believe that. But I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer that some individuals know that he is a repulsive, reprobate liar, okay? All they wanted was an excuse to get out here and carry weapons and, 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 and show that they are, they're, they're bigots and racists and they, 
want to sit in the victim's chairs if someone has done some great misdeed against all of the Caucasians in, in America, okay, which is far from it. Uh, so he won't change the, the perspective of individuals who are informed and who just are simply decent Americans who take people at their value. But for the, for the, for the 37% of his base that he's not going to lose one way or the other, they know he is a liar. Uh, I've, I've recently read some articles on evangelicals, uh, and a lot of the ministers, they sit back and they talk about uh, his, his ethics and his morality and how they don't agree with him on that, yet the, the policies. But what policies are they speaking of? I mean, he voices one thing and does something totally different. So they know he's a liar, but it gives them an excuse. It gives them an excuse from 2008, from November 4th of 2008, to sit back and say, well, you know what? Y'all had y'all chance. Now we're going to sit here and we're going to back this this repulsive, lying individual. So will he change the dynamics of the election, the electoral? Uh, probably not. I do agree with you. When you look at the math, okay, when you look at the math, unless people get out there and overwhelmingly vote, there is a legitimate opportunity that the electoral vote may go to this 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 clown. Okay, now he's gonna steal as as much as he possibly can the, your opportunity to express free will and vote. He's doing that every single day. I mean, he's going to set in. He's gonna try to steal this election like he did in 2016. But that 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 37 percent that that. It is, it's so prominent as far as any news source. You know, you listen to Fox and they and they, they tout it as being in, in, in the 52 and 53 percent range as far as American support. I don't know where they get those numbers from, but the reality of it is that he won't change a a a, a reasonable person's uh, thought and perspective. But for those individuals who just simply want to have an excuse to be who they are. To set back in the victim's chair and blame other people for their, their their lack of their lack of accomplishments in America. Shame on you, okay? You have no reason to set back and feel sorry for yourself as as a person who is who is set on the throne of quote unquote privilege for many years. Now all of a sudden you see others getting some acclaim, and now you want to set back and feel sorry for yourself and talking about make America great again. This guy is a the most unpatriotic individual to ever serve in that office. And again, the best definition for him is a, is, is, is a reprobate. Look at the condemnation of the military. I sat there this morning and almost, almost got to the point where I wanted to literally puke as, they, they, you know, I, I saw this Rob Wilkie on there, uh, the Secretary of Veteran Affairs, and he was being interviewed. And this guy kept on referencing and going back to that same old lie that that the gentleman talked about, the Veterans Choice Act that was passed by President Obama. So now that the guy, I mean, here it is, he, 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 he sat there and just disrespected John McCain. So if you disrespect John McCain, a person who you know was a POW and a recognized war hero, a senator for decades, and you do it to him, what do you think he would do to, to persons like you and I, Jay, who served? He doesn't know us. We have no significant impact on world views. 
So do you not think that he would say the same in, in regards to anybody else? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he said yeah. that. But because you got varying news sources, varying news sources will always lead people to sit back and, 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 and follow this individual here. He can steal the election. Mm. So don't take that for granted, folks. He stole it in 2016. Sure. He's clearly trying to set a path to, to, to be a thief on this one here. So until the votes are tallied on November the 3rd and it comes out and it says that Joe Biden is the president and Kamala Harris, who I'm telling you what, man, this young lady has certainly accepted her role on the center stage and her maturation process and her preparedness has really elevated me. Now, I'm still a big Susan Rice person. I think Susan Rice would be the perfect first African-American and female Secretary of Defense. But clearly, until the ballots are cast and the electoral vote is counted and they come back and they say that the Biden-Harris ticket has won, then every day leads me to believe that this guy can steal the election. Absolutely. I agree with you 110%. 347-850-1272. Mr. Elias, um, you know, it's always fascinating to me when you watch Trump supporters. You know, I sent you that clip earlier one, and you saw you had already seen it. But, you know, people are at a Trump rally. I mean, this guy has done everything in the book when it comes to disrespecting the office, disrespecting the values of this country. You know, I remember they used to call people commies. Oh, they're commies. Here's a guy who loves the Russian president, who will not say anything derogatory about the Russian president. And we heard in this morning's edition of Informative Celeste something that, that you need to know, how Michael Cohen talked about, and his book is going to be released next week, and I want to talk about that too for a second. But he talked about how, you know, Trump, which I already, I already knew that him running for office was a publicity stunt. The reason why he was so nice to, to Putin is because he was trying to make sure that he can get access to Putin's money after he had lost the election. He didn't think he was going to win. He was doing this for Trump TV. But these people are so blind that they don't that they still think this man had an agenda. He knew what he wanted to do. He didn't he didn't expect to win. Now all of a sudden when he won, he's like, oh my goodness, I got to figure this out. But you know, we know who he is by now. He's a bum. And the fact that this guy lies through his teeth, the things he said about military service members, the, these same people who run around with these damn flags in the back of their freaking pickup trucks, oh, Trump, oh, we love Trump, God bless America. He's the one that's calling folks who gave the ultimate sacrifice suckers and losers. This is the man who found a way to get out of the draft. Him and that damn sorry-ass Rush Limbaugh. But they're running around talking about how great Americans they are. Rush Limbaugh got the Presidential Medal of Freedom for spewing hate. But yet still, these people still follow this guy. Russians putting uh, bounties on American soldiers. He hasn't said a damn thing about it. Nothing. They have him on tape instructing Michael Cohen to pay a damn stripper. I mean, a, a porn star. His sister has talked about him as being a racist and a bastard and whatever. His aunt, I mean, his freaking niece. There have been tons of books about him. But yet and still, bro, he can still possibly win re-election. Man, help me, man. Help me.
me understand why this is even possible, Mr. Elias. Uh, my old man, my, my father once said it that um, poor poor white people will vote to hurt themselves as long as they get a chance to hurt you, and I and I believe that. I truly believe that. And you know, we we we're missing a real big story where he told people to vote twice this week. <laughs> this is against the law to vote twice, but he told them to go do it. He told them to vote twice. He said, mail in your ballot and then follow it. And if it's not there by election day, go in and vote. You are telling people to vote twice. You're telling that people to do so this. That just seems so illegal. Illegal. It, illegal. It is illegal, Vanessa. It is illegal. It's a felony. You're telling people to, to, to create a felony. This is just ridiculous. And, you know, Vanessa, when you said something about the Social Security I had a guy walked up on me the other day and said, you see what Trump is going to give us more money on our checks? I said, hey, you dumbass, that's your Social Security. You realize that when you get older, your Social Security won't be there? And his response was, oh, well. And then another dumbass walked up to me and says, well, what are you going to do? I said, how about you don't vote for this person and you get as many people that you can to vote against them? I said, you, I said, hey, look, just get out my office. Get out my space. I don't want you dumbasses ever to come in my space again. Unless you got a problem with what's going on here at the job and I got to represent you, don't talk to me ever again because you're too dumb. I'm not going to dumb myself down without talking to you. It's just, I mean, it's just, it's just dumb. It is just dumb. And I, I can't believe people would, you know, and we got people in that chat room, no matter what this cat does, they'll follow him. No matter what, no matter what. Now, Easy's a veteran. Easy's a veteran, and I guarantee you that stuff he said about veterans this week, he'll say it was a complete lie. Because that's what, that's what, I never said that. And he said he never said nothing about, he never called John McCain a loser. And there's a tweet out there that says, John McCain is a loser. This, this well, he said it on tape. He yeah. said it on tape. He's got it on tape where he said, I don't consider him a hero. It's ridiculous. But, hey, these veterans, they're going to back him no matter what because they're blinded. They're blinded by his bull. And it's just, I, I'm just, I, I don't even, that's why I don't even talk to him. When they, when they, when they, when they make a statement, I was like, hey, man, unless we're going to talk about what's going on here, I don't want to talk to you. I'm, I'm, I'm done with you. You know, you know Vanessa, <laughs> You know, I talk about people drinking the Kool-Aid, right? And, and I say, you know what? I really and truly believe this. It, it, and it didn't really hit me until this morning when I was prepping for the show, going through the last-minute production stuff. I said, you know, I bet you this man can tell people that you don't want to live in a Joe Biden's America, that you need to go out and buy this special flavor Kool-Aid and drink it, and you can pass over to the other side. Now, I know a lot of his supporters will probably say, oh, hell no. But here's the deal. I bet you there are a few that would do it. I bet you there are a few people that if Trump told them to commit suicide, that they would do it. And people say, Jay, come on, you're being ridiculous. No, I'm not. Think about the couple that drank that freaking, uh, uh, what was that medicine he told them to drink? And the man died and the woman, I don't know whatever happened to her. She was in critical condition. What about the young lady who uh, spoke at the DNC? 
Yeah. What about yeah. the lady, the young lady who spoke at the DNC and she said her father's only pre-existing condition was trusting Trump because he went to a party where he contracted COVID and his daughter told him, you shouldn't go, daddy. Well, the president said it was safe to go. Why would he lie? There are people who are sheep. Sheep that will follow this man. And Vanessa, I honestly and truly believe that if he told certain people to drink something, knowing that it would kill them, that they would do it. That they would do it. What say you, Vanessa? <laughs> I mean, we're laughing, but, you know, when you think about it, you know, we, we watched that video of the Trump supporters. It was funny until we kind of realized that these people walks amongst us. These people really and truly believe this. The one guy, you know, President Obama wasn't in office, you know, 9-11 happened, and he wasn't there. He was out golfing. So President Obama wasn't even elected president by then. He, George Bush was the really? president. I want to dig these, into that and find out what happened. Really? We'll dig into it, dumbass. Yeah, well, oh, something. It's a conspiracy going on. A conspiracy? He was playing golf. He wasn't even in office. And then there's people, well, you know, Obama wasn't born. He's a, he, he wasn't born here. He has a birth certificate. Well, people can lie on that. We need somebody who was there who saw it. His mother, or she lied for him. You have, you have, Trump, you have uh, uh, any proof that Trump, oh, yeah, he's been here for a long time. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, what about verifying his birth certificate? Well, his mother can verify. Well, wait a minute. You just said yep. Barack Obama's mother can do it. <laughs> okay. I mean, it, 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 it's, it, it, the hatred that these people have. And like you said, Mr. Elias, that's a hell of a quote. That people will vote against their own interests as long as they hurt you. And yeah, I can't understand that mentality, Vanessa. I just can't understand it. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I, I don't know. I have found so many people where I used to work says it best. Donald Trump has really brought out to let people know how they really are. This has mm-hmm. really... It has really brought out to let you know who you're working with, who you're going to church with. It even lets yep. you know what's on the mind of the young blacks because I'm telling you, we, we get out here and we're talking about uh, voting for Trump and blah, blah. And you know what these people say? And my son or my daughter said they're going to vote for him, and I told him they're going to get out of my house. You know, I just think that I don't understand why the young black children, and I don't understand why the Hispanics, and Donald Trump can't stand Hispanics because we still got children in cages. I just don't understand why they would put this man back in office. I just don't understand that. Now, to say what I said the other day, what, about a month ago, I said there's nothing he can really do to me. What well, when he started saying he was going to mess with Social Security and our Medicaid, now he can start really jacking. No, that, that, that. Oh, that rattles your cage, huh? Now you're ready to fight. Yeah, that rattles, <laughs> that rattles my cage, your cage, and every person who's a union worker's cage because union workers gave up a lot of pay yep. in order to be able to have mm-hmm. insurance and stuff. And people who work in offices don't realize that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, now you can rattle my cage. Mm-hmm. But these young kids yeah. don't care. These young kids don't care about paying their taxes because they say they got 30 years. Uh, to get that tax money back in there, or they're not going to see Social Security anyway. But if Social Security is not funded by the young people, guess what? Their Social Security is going to go broke in the next five years. 
interesting. It's amazing. Uh, so, so people talking about the Cohen book, and and look, I mean, the bottom line is, is that um, you know they they've written so many books about this man. I mean, he's been caught. The, the, the Mueller investigations showed that he was colluding with Russians. Uh, there were people. I mean, that uh, his impeachment should have been impeached. These folks, it's all about politics and maintaining power. And you know, now he's talking about Fox News, the the reporter at Fox News who verified the story about him calling American soldiers losers and suckers, saying she should be fired, she should be fired. And Fox News is rallying around and saying, no, we're not going to fire her because, you know, she's a well-respected uh, reporter. And the bottom line is that her sources are ironclads. And if they're saying this is true, then it's true. And so, you well, know, I, I think what's amazing... Well, he wanted, but he wanted the Fox reporter because you know Fox News is his own turf, and so anytime someone on Fox says something derogatory about him, he you know he's like, oh no, they got to go. And, and and the thing about Fox News, which I thought was interesting, that they played Biden's whole speech. You know, Fox usually when people are critical of uh, Trump, um, they 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 usually may play excerpts from it, but they usually don't run the whole thing. They're, they're playing all of the things that Joe Biden is saying, which tells me. That there are some people at Fox are saying, you know what, like, good gracious, maybe, you know, <laughs> is it really worth having power? I mean, even some people over there, and when you, you know, there's another guy that works for Fox, has a book out. He's saying there's a lot of people at Fox that are troubled at how the network, and especially their prime time uh, lineup, how those people are pumping this guy up. And there are folks at Fox that are saying, you know what, this is just not right, and, and something needs to happen. So, you know, hopefully greater minds will prevail, and, uh, you know, we'll keep moving. Ooh, it's after 10. It's eight minutes after the hour. All right, 347 We got to keep the show moving. We got to keep the show moving. All right, let me play something. Then I'm going to get to another part of our show. Listen to this. When President Trump heard about me, about the injustice of my story, he saw me as a person. He had compassion. And he acted. But it's more than saying you're fighting for criminal justice reform. By endorsing Mm -hmm. President Trump, you're saying he is the person who's fighting for criminal justice reform. You don't believe Joe Biden would? I don't know what Joe Biden would do. I just know that with this administration, they've been open to the things that I've been bringing to the table. So I'm so focused, Stephanie, on my mission that I'm I'm not going to speak of what Joe Biden will or will not do. I'm going to speak to what I know. And when I speak, Stephanie, I speak from a personal place. I can't speak to anyone else. That's the drop that's the backdrop for this week's question. After the break. After the break is when I asked our panelists a question, give them the break to think about it, and on the other side, they have 90 seconds to respond. That lady you heard was Miss Alice Johnson. She was a lady who, through Kim Kardashian, uh, Kim Kardashian brought her case up to the President of the United States. And President uh, Trump then commuted her sentence. But then later on, just got rid of it, pardoned her, just gave her a full all-right pardon. She spoke at the RNC about a week ago, and African-Americans are saying, are you kidding me? Why would you support this man when you know what his policies are towards people that look like you? And like she said, hey, all I know is what he did for me. That's all I can speak speak for. So here's this morning's question for my panel. Do you blame Alice Johnson for endorsing or supporting Donald Trump? 
And if you were in her shoes, would you do the exact same thing? So that's this week's question for after the break. I can't wait to get their responses on the other side. Until then, we're going to take a break. You listen to the serious side. We will be right back. Yeah, you like that one, don't you? Uh, I can't wait to hear. This is what I'm saying. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. All right, we're going to set my take a break. We'll be right back after this. You listen to the serious side of the Jay Rouse Show. <laughs> We will never forget them, nor the last time we saw them. They've slipped the surly bonds of earth to touch the face of God. Those who are lost now, their legacy must be our lives. I can hear you, and the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. Amazing grace. Dispatching thousands and thousands of heavily armed soldiers. We dominate the streets. I won't traffic in fear and division. I won't fan the flames of hate. It's time to pick up our heads. Remember who we are. This is the United States of America.
43 after a valiant four-year fight. Chadwick Bozeman lost his battle with colon cancer Friday, his wife and family beside him. Trump was elected to protect our families from the vengeful mob that seeks to destroy our way of life, our neighborhoods, schools, churches, and values. Look at what's happening in American cities. Cities all run by Democrats. Crime, violence, and mob rule. You may have seen us defending our home as a mob of protesters descended on our neighborhood. What you saw happen to us could just as easily happen to any of you who are watching from quiet neighborhoods around our country. They'll disarm you, empty the prisons, lock you in your home, and invite MS-13 to live next door. The fact is, I'm here. What's the name of that building? But I'll say it differently. The fact is, we're here, and they're not. Daniel, certainly there's a lot to break down from the president's more than an hour-long speech. Anderson, this president is a serial liar, and he serially lied tonight. I counted preliminarily more than 20 false or misleading claims. There you go. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Welcome back in. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Rowell Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. Of course, if you listen to this show, you know what time it is. It is time for me to say good talk to all my, and good talk is good morning to all my German speaking friends. Time to say good morning to our panelists. Let's say good morning to the very lovely Miss Vanessa Maybell. Good morning, Vanessa. How are you? Good morning, everybody. Glad to hear you. Glad y'all are with us this morning. Thank you so much. Glad that you're here with us as well, uh, Vanessa. All right, my little brother's in the house, the one and only Mr. Johnny D in the place to be. Good morning, John. How you doing, bro? I'm doing well, Jay, and guten tag, and hola, and man, <laughs> to, to you as well. <laughs> so I, I, I just said, said a, a, a good morning to my German, my Spanish, and my Arab <laughs> All I'm going to say is the Cotton Club. All right, uh, my main man, Mr. Elias, is in the house. Good morning, Mr. Elias. How you doing? <laughs> good, good morning, sir, and bon dia to all my Brazilians out there. How about that? Uh-huh. Oh, look at it. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> As you can see, we are multi-language right here in the serious side. Mr. Elias, man, can we say hello to some folks in the chat if you don't mind? Yeah, we just got two in there. That's easy and vocal bright. And by the way, Mariana Music, that song was Sorry by Noel Gordon. <laughs> the past is in the house. Mariana Music is in the house, and I'm pretty sure she has wonderful words for you. Uh, also, Jamie, I think I know you. Uh, Jamie J, I think I know who you are. Good morning. Glad you're listening. What's going on, Taronda? How are you doing? Oh, Curtis. Hey, I like that name. That's my pop's name. What's up, Kurt? How you doing? Uh, Raymond. Ray, what's up, man? How you doing? Can I call you Ray? You don't mind if I call you Ray, do you? Ricky is in the house. Is this pretty Ricky that used to listen to the J. Rod show? Pretty Ricky, that's what they call me. So <laughs> many people me. in the house. Good morning to uh, Clarine. Am I saying that right? Corrine? Corina? I'm sorry if I'm mentioning your name and so many other folks. Here's a name that uh, a person is listening from, um, you know, the Middle East. I'm just going to say, how you doing? I cannot pronounce that name, but thank you for listening to the serious side. Hope that uh, we give you some good information. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. We love you. We appreciate you. And we're getting questions about Kathleen Williams and Jerome. And, and, and I'm going to... Uh, Gonna address them, but you know, trust me, 
they're good. They're they're fine. But we, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit. All right, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. You listen to the serious side, which you always do on a Sunday morning, on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Love. Yeah, you caught that. Alexander O'Neill and Sherell. That's right for all those old school people out there. You know, Johnny D, every now and then, man, I get caught up and think I'm back in the day behind the wheels of the steel. So I got to pull up, John. I got to pull up. Because that's oh, not this type of party. <laughs> All right. I, I will tell you this here, Jay. I, I think you're going to let some smiles on many faces back in the European days. Uh-oh. Watch out. Watch uh, out now. Watch uh, out. That's right. Watch out. Watch out now. Watch out there now. All right. <laughs> All right. We talked about something before the break. Let me give you another piece of information that I need to reach out to my peeps. Check this out. You did not formally endorse him uh, in your remarks. Was was that intentional? Do you endorse him? Well, you know, I'm so appreciative of everything the president has done. You know, and of course I support him as a president. And last night, I didn't have a right to vote, and I still haven't registered to vote. So I thought it would have been, you know, a little bit hypocritical of me to uh, not be able to vote and then say I'm endorsing. But I do support the work and things that the president is doing. Do you want him to be reelected? Well, I'd like to continue to work with him on criminal justice reform. So I'd, I'd like to see that happen, to be able to continue to do this work. But, Jake, for me, this is not about politics. Uh, this is about people. And I try to really stay focused on what my mission is. As I said in my speech, that was true. I did make a promise to the women and to the men that I would never stop fighting for them. And this this really is not a partisan issue, criminal justice reform. It's something that reaches across the aisle that has effect, that has impacted both Republicans, independents, Democrats. It's American citizens who have been impacted by this. All right. It is time to get the response to the question that I asked before the break for the after the break segment. So before the break, I asked the question. Alice Johnson, that's who you just heard. If you're just tuning in, she's the lady that the president first commuted her sentence, then he altogether gave her a part here just recently. Now, a lot of African-Americans are saying, how can you support a man who is racist, who has done the things he's done to African-Americans? Let's start with the Central Park Five. Let's talk about the kids that are still locked up at the border. He has defined judges' orders and doing these types of things. How can you support this man? And so the question is, do you blame Alice Johnson because she was in jail for the rest of her life? She was supposed to be gone, never to see daylight again. Kim Kardashian stepped in, Donald Trump commuted, and then pardoned her. So do you blame her for supporting the president? You know how it works. They have 90 seconds to answer the question. And since Vanessa was giggling her tail off before the break, she gets the first shot after the break. So, Vanessa, do you blame... Ms. Johnson for supporting Donald Trump. You know what? Donald Trump let that lady out of prison because of that Kardashian girl. 
So you know what? Yes. If I have to support Donald Trump because he let me out of prison, I'm going to say whatever y'all need me to say to get me out that prison. So you know what I'm going to say. So would have. I say anything else. Uh, so you don't blame her. Green grass and everything. I sure would you, get me out of prison. So you don't blame her for supporting Donald I Trump, do even though. I No. Not at wow. all do I blame her. She probably made this agreement with them as a part of it. You're going to support me if I do this, right? You're going to, oh, yeah, I would have said it. I'm probably, I say anything I need to say to get out of prison. Yep. I hear you. All right. Wow. That was quick. Yep. And that's let's 45 seconds. But let's oh, just well. hope that she don't vote for him. <laughs> uh, nobody knows. All right, Vanessa, wow, that was quick, 45 seconds. All right, reset. Johnny D, man, the clock starts now. What is your answer to the question? Do you blame Alex Johnson for supporting the president? You know, the young lady spent 21 years in prison, and so unfortunately sometimes that, that, that self-serving solo and and, and silo type of mentality comes into existence because it is really about your self-preservation. You know, that's the first rule of law that that, that we learn, uh, even when you come out the womb, of self-preservation. So I think clearly uh, she she was speaking from a standpoint of personal reflection, and she articulated that over and over and over again. So she was short of an endorsement. Um, I thought that it, it, it was really profound when she indicated, you know, I didn't even have the right to vote. Uh, so therefore it would have been hypocritical of me to sit back and say, I endorsed him. The, the young lady uh, certainly has done what we have stated uh, a, a, a great deal of times on, on this show, uh, you know, vote your interest. And what she did is she put her interest, her personal experience and interest in this is an individual who now has pardoned her. Now, I do think that she will be sincere and she will advocate for other prisoners that are incarcerated. So the big picture is this here. She got on there, she spoke her truth, and now she'll get an opportunity to, one, hopefully uh, register and vote. And I pray that her vote be towards justice and, and reform and, and a true president, uh, which is the Biden-Harris ticket. And I hope that she continues on with her work. But I don't think that she would have done anything different uh, considering the circumstances. She was just simply reflecting on her personal experiences with him. And for that reason, I think she was sincere with it. Wow. Johnny D. I gave Johnny D. Vanessa's remaining time, and he used all of it but two seconds. My man, Pots and Pans, appreciate it. All right, Mr. Elias, 90 seconds on the clock, sir. Do you blame her for supporting the president? Well, Johnny took my answer, man. Thanks, John. But, hey, man, I always say the same thing that Johnny just said. Hey, vote your interest. And her interest was, she, hey, man, she, I don't know. I don't blame her at all because the bottom line is he's the one that let her out of prison, man. So that was her interest. So she voted her interest. So, you know, if that's, if that's what your interest is, no, I don't, I don't fault her. I don't fault her at all because I, I would be hypocritical to say, oh, that, that, why, would, why would you do this? And, and, but he let her out of jail, so she voted her interest, and God bless her, man. She's out of jail. She's supposed to be spending the re, uh, rest of her life in jail. Now she can get out and become an advocate for people that are in jail like that. So God bless her, man. You know, I don't blame her at all. No, I don't. I don't no, not at all. Wow. 
Yeah, it's fifty five seconds. Well, uh <clears throat> okay, well I'm gonna I'm gonna take ninety seconds. I I'm I'm kinda shocked by the responses to be honest with you. Um I understand what everybody said. Oh, let me start the clock. I gotta be fair. All right, let me start it. All right, I already talked for ten seconds. All right, listen. I I hear what everybody's saying, to be honest with you. But a part of me goes back and says we're being hypocritical because, you know, we talk about how white people, rich white people support Trump because he's taking care of them financially. And we're saying that those people are wrong for taking care and voting for Trump because they're thinking about themselves and only themselves. And they have to think about the greater good. But now we're saying that it's okay for Alice Johnson to, to vote for Trump because, you know, once again, he took care of her. I think that she should be appreciative of the president. I have no doubt about that. Uh, but she should look at the overall totality of what this guy is doing. And, you know, you're one person in a big fish, in a big, in a big, big, big bowl. And the bottom line is, is that at the end of the day, if he is doing substantial harm to not only your people, but to a, this nation as a whole, you can say you like him, you can say thank you for what you've done, but when I go to the voting booth on November 3rd, you've got to vote him out. And you got to understand, someone like Joe Biden, you're trying to tell me Joe Biden will not listen to her and help her with criminal reform? And what I would say to the Biden uh, campaign, because I didn't play this piece, they hadn't reached out to her yet. They better reach out to her, because I think that she can be an effective voice. So for me, I see where she's going, but I would have to say to her, I think she's, if she votes for this man, she's wrong. All right, so that's it. Uh, I got it done, 129. All right, so that's it for this week's edition of Informative. After the break. If you rain. What you say? What you say, Vanessa? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was trying to hit the mute button. Somebody was talking. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead, Vanessa. We know you're on vacation. So that's it for this. <laughs> I'm out. I, I love y'all. I'm out. Love you too, Bye. Man. <laughs> Bye. All right, sweetie. All right. Take care, Mr. So that's, that's, that's this week's edition for After the Break, uh, where we ask our hosts questions and they give us responses after the break. That being said, let's get into our third and final topic of the morning. Tonight, new details on the teenager investigators say showed up in Kenosha armed with a rifle and allegedly opened fire on demonstrators protesting the police shooting of Jacob Blake. Authorities arrested 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse in nearby Illinois for his alleged role in Tuesday's shootings, killing Joseph Rosenbaum and Anthony Huber and injuring Gage Grosskreutz. Police identified Rittenhouse as the man seen in this social media video during protests that night. So you had non-lethal, but you, you didn't we don't have non-lethal. So you guys are full on ready to defend the property. Yes, we are. This graphic video capturing the chaos. A crowd appears to be chasing the armed man when he falls to the ground and starts firing. As police approach the scene, Rittenhouse can be seen with his hands up, but he's never taken into custody. In situations that are high stress, you have such an incredible but some raising questions about that moment in light of Jacob Blake's shooting and insensitive comments made by the Kenosha Sheriff in 2018 after five black people were arrested after allegedly stealing and causing a collision. The sheriff saying there are some people that aren't worth saving. He later apologized. Late today, Kenosha police saying they arrested nine people for alleged disorderly conduct after apprehending three vehicles with out-of-state plates that were filled with gas masks, illegal fireworks, and suspected controlled substances. 
Authorities also releasing new information in the shooting Sunday of 29-year-old Jacob Blake. Authorities now identifying the officer seen in that disturbing video as Rustin Shesky. When Blake appears to lean into the driver's side, Shesky pulls his shirt and unloads seven bullets in his back. Authorities say they were called because a woman claimed her boyfriend, who wasn't supposed to be there, was on the premises. Authorities have not said Blake was that person. Investigators also say Blake told the officers he had a knife. Authorities say that knife was found on the floor inside his car. A federal civil rights investigation has now been opened into Blake's shooting, which is still under investigation. Let's talk about double standards when it comes to how white felons or white suspects are treated versus uh, black suspects are treated. And, you know, a, a perfect illustration of that was on display when, once again, this young man shot two people and walked up the street with his hands in the air with an AR-15 hanging from his shoulder, and the police drove right past him. Now, some people are saying the police didn't know whether or not he had already committed the crime. It was the police and the National Guard. And people need to understand, the National Guard has a different, you know, um, and Johnny D can, can talk to this when he gives his responses to, to any questions, questions that I may have for him. You know, the National Guard is in a little bit of a different situation. But, you know, he walked by law enforcement with his hands in the air, and he wasn't arrested. And some folks are saying, well, maybe they didn't see that he had actually committed the crimes. <laughs> and so, you know, that's out there. And it's a possibility. But the bottom line is this is a perfect illustration of how criminals are suspects. White people are treated versus black people. Think about the young man who shot and killed all those kids in Florida. You know, police found him and took him and got him something to eat before they took him to to, uh, to head police headquarters. Think about the man who killed the nine people at Mother Emanuel Church. They took him to Burger King before they took him to jail. He had just killed nine people. And here's a man reaching in his car. Now, you know, I'm going to tell you something that a friend of mine who's an African-American police officer, he wanted me to include in this segment because he called me and asked me where we were going to talk about it last week, and I told him that we were. And he says, man, please make sure, you know, I want to call and check in, but if I'm working that day, please make sure you convey my comments. So I will convey his thoughts here a little later on. But, Johnny D., the reason why you see the uprest uh, in uh, the unrest, I should say, in a lot of these uh, cities is because of things like this. The, the three examples that I just gave, once again, people being treated completely different, known people, people who have known to commit murders, they walk in belly full and get, you know, processed and, you know, and booked or whatever. You have African-American men, as soon as police show up, they are already in this combat mode where, you know, if he makes a wrong move left or right, then he gets shot. And then they proceed with the character assassination. I don't give a damn whether the guy had a warrant or not. I don't give a damn whether or not he was, uh, he's, you know, he was, a, you know, he was, was uh, had an arrest warrant for sexual assault. They didn't have a damn thing to do with them shooting him in the back at point blank range like that. What say you, man? There's a lot to be said about the in- injustices uh, within the judicial system and. Certainly, uh, I've had over 25 years of, of, of working in a system that I still struggle and, 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 and fight to understand. Um, I struggle and I, and I fight to understand the disparity, uh, even from an internal standpoint, 
with with the the biasness in the promotional process. Uh, I I struggle to understand uh, the the dynamics of the enforcement uh, of the rules and the laws to a certain element of the public, while the other ones seem to have a different privilege. But being being a black man in America for 50 plus years, uh, I also have lived it and continuously live it on, on both sides of the spectrum. And clearly uh, what's being depicted in America is being flamed and fueled by the criminal that's in Washington posing as America's president. And I think it's sad when you now see similarities in third world countries uh, where you see armed militia and, and, and armed cartel members in Brazil and, and Mexico who walk around openly and freely and they patrol communities uh, and, and challenge law enforcement openly with the artillery that's more advanced than what they have. Now you see these, oftentimes, these Caucasian bearded men who walk around with these AR-15s and machine guns and body armor simply trying to impose their will at any, at any aspect and opportunity that they possibly can to a system that's already partial to them. Now, allow yourself to look at the new Black Panther Party and some of the African-American militias who try and do similar in, in, in the same existence. Uh, and the treatment is, is oftentimes different. You know, we, we know that we've had to experience these similarities and it's never anything more, more pressing than when you look at today's culture where surveillance footage and video, just about everything that you do is now being monitored. And what we've been knowing for years now is being portrayed on YouTube and, and Facebook and Snapchat and whatever social media outlet where it's open, open display of more pardons and, 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 and more conversations being given to to white suspects than it is African American suspects. When you see the, the, the young man who was brought to, to that e- event in Wisconsin by his mother, 17 years old, with the AR-15, mm-hmm. legally he should not even been able to possess the weapon. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. And to to know that he shot two individuals. Anytime law enforcement hears any shots fired, that means any armed suspect is a suspect, okay? Anyone that's armed is a suspect. And to think that this guy put his hands up and walked past law enforcement officers and and National Guard and no one even tried to apprehend him or question him is even more provocative to the injustice and the travesty that African Americans face. There is no excuse for what happened to to Jeff Flake. There is no excuse what happened to Mr. Dre. There is no excuse what's happening in the streets of America right now in regards to uh, the unrest. Now, you know, it it, it is amazing to me. It is amazing to me how we continuously uh, have to deal and be subjected to this. You know, uh, 
like I said, being a part of, of the system, you know, I oftentimes have to look at, you know, incidents that occur and find out is there a racial element and, and a motivation to that. And, and sometimes what I find, and, and again, uh, just being transparent, sometimes what I find is that some of the African-American professionals use less restraint on African-American offenders and suspects simply because they feel like it'll be accepted. And I look at the mayor, the mayor in, in, in Rochester, New York, you know, uh, what's, what's, the, what's the young lady's name? Lovely, Lovely Warren. Uh, and, and I see Who? her get on television Lovely Warren, right, she's the mayor. mayor of Rochester, New York, right? Oh, okay. And, and they've yeah. got a black police chief, okay? They've got a black police chief, uh, Chief Singletary. And, and I sat back and I said, okay, this happened three months ago, okay, to Daniel Poole. And yet you get on television and you parade and you parade like, okay, this is a criminal fist, as if you didn't know about that. So the reality of it is that we have to be a part of systems that we want to change. I'm an advocate of that. I say that quite often. I think that the strongest movement in the last 100 years has been the women's movement because they have become more inclusive. I still promote the fact that we need more African-Americans in law enforcement. We need more African-Americans in in the judicial system, in in the law enforcement system. Uh, We need more African-Americans in the business. We need more medical professionals. Everything that we, we talk about is providing us such anguish and, 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 and partiality We need to become part of it in order to change But when you have a mayor who sits there And you can't tell me that Something of this magnitude Now that it's getting in front of the cameras You sit out there and, and, and you boast About okay that that's, that's, that's A travesty but I'm sure that she Knew about it so everybody has To take action to make Sure that young Black males and young Black females and young Hispanic And and, 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 and Asian and, and all minorities get an opportunity, particularly, like I say, blacks, okay, get an opportunity to feel like they're part of an impartial judicial and justice system. And that's not what we see in, in the community. That's not what we see in, in law enforcement. And then you think about the FBI report that, that goes back to 2013 where it says that, you know, these, these white nationalists are infiltrating, and I say infiltrating simply because when you infiltrate something, you're going in there to to, to to rearrange the thought process and the fairness in it. They have infiltrated law enforcement so that they can get out and patrol these communities and, and law enforcement, and now you've got this quote-unquote law enforcement uh, law and order uh, criminal in Washington pretending, but yet he's the one that's defunding uh, and Congress is the one that's defunding uh, the, 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 the law enforcement budget by a half a billion dollars. So let's not mistake those programs that are meaningful to us uh, to help us navigate the get, that gap. And for those individuals that's part of the, the, the system, you know, the thing I yeah. like about this show is we promote action, okay? And I've been doing yeah. some things uh, out there in the communities trying to educate 
uh, young African-American males on how to interact with law enforcement professionals. And at the same time, I've been trying to do diversity classes and do interface with, with, with the individuals that, that I oversee and manage and say, look here, this, you know, that, that biasness, that, that strong arm towards a particular ind- the individual group has got to stop. Yeah. But America is, yeah. is, is a melting pot. Uh, and and right now the flames of fury and the flames of racism is being is being promoted at the highest level, mm-hmm. and that is that saddens me to no end. It really and truly does. Yeah, I agree with you 110 percent on that. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. You mentioned about armed militias. I want to play a clip from uh, Stephen Colbert, Mr. Elias, before I get to you, and talk about how this type of uh, this type of uh, how this is accepted by society. Listen to this and what's happening on the other side. Before the shooting, a local militia group calling itself the Kenosha Guard organized a Facebook event encouraging armed civilians to take to the streets. The group put up this Facebook post addressed to Kenosha's police chief. As you know, I am the commander of the Kenosha Guard, a local militia. We are mobilizing tonight and have about 3,000 RSVPs. Our effort has been made to the national media. I ask that you do not have your officers tell us to go home under threat of arrest as you have in the past. We are willing to talk to KPD and open a discussion. It is evident that no matter how many officers, deputies, and other law enforcement officers that there are, you will still be outnumbered. What a polite request to break the law. So, did the Kenosha police tell the heavily armed yahoos to buzz off under threat of arrest like they usually do? I'll give you a hint. It rhymes with no. They offer them refreshments. We appreciate you guys. We really do. That's right. They thanked SEAL Team Sucks and gave them water. You know, Mr. Elias, with, so a local, a local militia sends, sends a letter to the police department saying, hey, we're going to be there to help y'all protect and serve. Don't tell us to go home. We outnumber you. Just do what we say. And instead of the police telling them to beat it, they gave them water and said, we really appreciate what you guys do. And it kind of reminded me, when I, when I saw it, Mr. Elias, it reminded me of how white people think that they have the authority to run around here and, you know, uh, to, to, to be like an auxiliary police department. So these, these Negroes have escaped the plantation, and so we're going to help you round them up. Let's get together a posse, and let's see if we can catch and kill as many of them as we can. It's amazing that this is going on in America. But like Vanessa said earlier in the show, and I've said this for a very long time, what we're experiencing is the ugly racial underbelly of this country. How we are watching the fact that, and I still think this all has to do with Barack Obama. I still think that they just can't get out of their mouth, the, the, the thing out of their mind, that we had a black president. And you know what? It'll never happen again on our watch. Now we have a guy that not only hates him, but now this guy promotes what we do. He gives us cover to act who we truly are. And it's amazing to me, man. It is amazing to me. What say you, sir? Well, you know something, man, while reading in the chat room, Bumble is in there, and he said Kyle Rittenhouse is 100% innocent. They tried to hit him with a skateboard. That's called self-defense. Well, 
last week, sir, what well, a week before last, when we were talking about Breonna Taylor's boyfriend and the police broke into his house and he shot at them, that's called self-defense. But you defended the police, didn't you? You defended the police. Why? Because he was a black man being shot. Don't hand me this crap. 100% innocent? No, he wasn't. He broke the law because he crossed state lines with an AR-15. What's innocent about that? That's breaking the law, sir, if you really want to know it. And at his age, he is not supposed to have a gun. That's also breaking the law, sir. Hey, come on, man. Stop it. Stop all the madness and the bull. Double standards. Straight up racist. That's racist. Double standards. Hell. You, double standards, man. For so you to sit there and say that is crazy. And let's just talk about John Crawford III. This is a man that went into Walmart to buy a BB gun. He picked it up off the shelf. You know what happened to him? The police came in and shot him in his head. Shot him in his head because they said he had a he was armed with a weapon. A black man walking in Walmart with a with a BB gun. He's buying it off the shelf and he's walking in to see it and, and it was open. He walking walking up to the cash register. He's on the phone and somebody shoots him in the head. The police officers shoot him in the head. They didn't even say stop, put your weapon down. They shot him in the head. Let's talk about Tamir Rice. This 12-year-old is playing in the in in in, 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 in a in a, in a, uh, a playground, and the police pull up two seconds later. They shoot him and kill him. Stop this bull, man! Stop talking about that. That guy was 100% right because he protected himself. Where's the protection at for the black man? Stop this lying. Stop this crap in this chat room because it's uh, you know it, it, it's really ridiculous. And and let's talk about Trayvon Martin. A 17-year-old who protected himself. He's dead now. He's dead now. Now, if he had shot George, uh, George Zimmerman, guess what would have happened? He'd be in jail for the rest of his life. But George Zimmerman walked away free. But you want to tell me some of our black and white don't matter? You're a lying ass. You are a lying ass. It does matter. Don't hand me that crap. Because last week you told me about Brianna Taylor's boyfriend about, well, they, if, they, if he shot through the door, no, he didn't. The police report says that he fired. Well, as soon as they got in the door, he fired at him. But you sure, you sure talking about, and it was, it was the, the police report was right there online. All you had to do was read it. But you'll protect the white folks because that's what white people do. That's what they do. You know, in the short time we Kyle, have left, because I'm going to get the chatterbox. He said, he said Kyle did not cross state lines. His house. Kyle did cross state lines. He lived in Illinois, and he went to Kenosha, Wisconsin. Illinois, Wisconsin. Illinois, Wisconsin. There's the two desert. There's their lines of coast. Antioch, where I know he lives. Antioch, Illinois. Antioch, Illinois, and Wisconsin. So stop. Right. He did cross state All lines. Right. All right. Well, you, we know. I mean, you don't have to get into no tit for tat for those guys. But but I do want to bring up something here real cool. Yeah, man, I tell you, we're not going to be able to do uh, the third break. We'll skip through that. We have to jump straight into final thoughts here. Um, and uh, I definitely want to do Chatterbox because we have some comments here. But, man, we are up against it, and I apologize. It's my responsibility to make sure the show moves better than this. I apologize. But real quick, uh, brother that I know that's an African-American police officer, and he talked about how there is a division uh, within the ranks that, you know, there are black police officers who see these white cops acting ridiculous. 
ridiculous and irresponsible. He said there have been plenty of fights in locker rooms between black and white officers because they see how they're treating their people. However, he talked about how it's easy for America and people to be to, to be. He's how did he, he said that basically when we watch some of these videos as officers on the street, he says. There are times, he said, the thing about the American public, you have the privy of knowing all the facts after the fact. He says, but as a police officer entering into a dangerous situation, a dangerous situation, you know, they don't know some of this stuff. And he said for him, you know, when you get into a fight with a suspect, you know, the last thing I'm worried about is making sure, you know, he said, when you fight, you fight. You're trying to get this person down by any means necessary because you don't know what he has on him or if there's anybody else he said so he said he's not excusing anything that was done he said because when you look at it that whole situation with the guy who got shot you know jacob blake he said that was wrong blah 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 he said but there are situations where if a camera would have been on me he said he talked about a situation happening it was actually on the news here in houston uh, about a situation where these cops had cornered this guy and one of the cops ended up getting killed because they didn't come right at him like they were supposed to, and that guy was able to get a gun. He wrestled one of the officer's gun and shot and killed him. And he was actually on that, and they were trying to hold him down. You know, and he said there have been times if you'd have had cameras on him, you'd have been he'd have probably been on the news too. He said there are people who have hate in their heart that would do things. He said, but there are a lot of cops out there who are facing life and death when they get into these fights and get into these you know, confrontations with the suspect. And the last thing you're thinking about is making sure that, uh, you know, I'm doing something politically right. i got to save my life because this guy's trying to prevent me from seeing my family. And so real quick here, man, I'll tell you, we, real, real quickly, and I'm going to give you guys 90 seconds. I know that's not a lot of time, but we've got to get out of here on time. Let, John, let me give you 90 seconds, man. Well, what do you think about what this guy, you know, what I just talked about that my, what my friends just said? You know, Jay, that that's real. I mean, like I say, I, I I deal with that every single day, and I've said on the show, and I think at the behest of uh, uh, some, uh, the reality of it is, is that you know my guys have a right to go home as well. So there are predicaments and situations that present themselves where, if you are properly trained, then the the results and the resolve ends up the way that the book describes it, but. In, in, in a world where principles and practice don't always match, you know, the process is in the performance. And properly trained individuals who go out there and execute their jobs and their duties in, in, in a manner in which you take that oath, oftentimes the results will, will, will not necessarily lead to discharge of weapons. But when it does, as I tell my guys, you open up this door, Somebody's going to get hurt. So from that perspective right there, I agree wholeheartedly with you. Say, there is some division. There is some divisiveness that's going on in law enforcement. And what we really have to do is just continuously dialogue and continuously put it out in the forefront on shows such as this right here. Good stuff. What about you, Mr. Elias? Give me the last word before we get to chat a box and get out of here. Uh, what, what, about what the guy said. What, what are your thoughts on that? That, that, there's just reason dance in anything that you do, man. That guy, yeah. you know what, man? They shot Jeff Blake in the back seven times. And he said he didn't agree with in that. In the back. He, he said that. Yeah. In the back. There's right. The I mean, that, 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 there's there's no justice in that. that. There's yeah, no he, he said he didn't agree with that. In their back. 
in their back. But, but, Elliot, so, I'm, I'm just, but, Mr. Elias, I want you to just, and I'm, I mean, to cut you off, we have a short period of time, but I want you to address the fact that can you see what he's saying as a police officer that's out there in these situations? I can see what he's saying, it? but also I, I get it. In some situations, there's going to be times when, when you fear for your life. But when you pull up on a, a guy in a Walmart or a Tamir Rice and shoot him immediately, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It just don't it don't work out. It does not. It doesn't. It doesn't right. work out. I tell you what. What we're going to do? We're, we're going to we're going to jump the channel box. Then we're going to get out of here. But what I want to do, and if my two guys are, uh, uh, you know, folks who are listening to this through a recorded podcast, may get a little extra bonus. I want to spend a few minutes after the top of the hour. I want to I want to talk about this a little bit because you know when he he was very passionate about it when we talked, and and he gave me some scenarios that I want to discuss with you guys if you have a few minutes afterwards, uh, and 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 you know and give me your opinion of it. So anyway, uh, well, it's time for channel box. Uh, final chat, final thoughts in the chat room and from social media sites that we monitor. Mr. Elias, you have anything you want to add this morning? No, not at all. Not one thing. <laughs> nope. We know what that means. All right, so let me uh, let me read some here. Uh, the pastor checked in. He says, "Look, peace and blessings, family." He said, "I have to admit, I have been torn." By the recent events of interactions between black men and police officers, I appreciate the comments of the African-American law enforcement officer. His voice is a much-needed opinion in this conversation. Good stuff, Pastor. Uh, Mariana Music, thank you, Mr. L.E.S. And I guess she's referring to you telling her the name of the song. She said, where is Jerome? Where is Kathleen? We deserve to know. Let's just say that both of them are doing well, and uh, they will be back as soon as they can. Uh, Henrietta, uh, Letter, okay, and Marietta, and I'll talk to you afterwards. Uh, Henrietta, uh, from Letter Kenny, Pennsylvania. Ah, okay. She said, I agree with the comments of the officer that reference that was referenced by one of your panelists. Well, that was referenced by me, Henrietta. Uh, Jim, San Francisco, California. Jay, I have to agree with you. Some of the people that frequent your chat room are stone cold idiots. I didn't say that Mr. Elias said it, but, you know, I think I agree. He said they would drink the Kool-Aid, and he said they would drink the Kool-Aid, and this is coming from a former Republican police captain. Uh, We changed another one's mind. Look at us, changing minds every day. All right, uh, real quick here. We're going to get out of here. We're going to do something a little different. If I'm going to ask my guys to give me just 10 minutes after the top of the hour if they can. I want to talk a little bit about what this guy told me. Um, and especially Johnny, because I think Johnny can look at this from a whole different perspective. And no disrespect to you, Mr. Elias, but he's actually, you know, in that community, and it'd be interesting to get his comments. But, uh, but folks, we appreciate you, as we do always. Um, you know, Kathleen and Jerome, they're fine, um, and they'll be back as soon as they can. We appreciate you allowing us in your homes every Sunday morning. And so on that note, Mr. Elias, if it's Sunday, and we're talking serious stuff, what time is it, my friend? It's time for the serious side of the J. Rao Show. Asking my guys for 10 minutes after the show, just want to talk about this a little bit more. So, for Vanessa, for Jerome, for Kathleen, for Miss Elias, for my main man, Johnny D. I'm J. Rao saying have a wonderful weekend and a wonderful work week. And remember, if it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, it is the serious side. If you want to get in on this, you can call in right now, 347-850-1272 before the phone lines are shut down. Appreciate you guys. God bless. All right, listen, guys. I wanted to uh, spend a little, a few minutes with you guys to, to talk about specifically what 
the my friend mentioned to me. I'm not going to say his name because he didn't say if he calls in one day and maybe he he, he listens to the show all the time. So I'm pretty sure he's probably listening wherever he is. Um, but he wanted us to kick this around. I didn't think it was enough to have a full full fledged segment on it, but I do want to spend a few minutes on it. And and, and he was very passionate about uh, that situation because he was there when his partner got killed. And you know the bottom line is he told me that you know when as black police officers when you encounter us in the street you know we we take a different approach when we when we see our people because we try to reason with our folks in some cases we try to say oh come on man this is not the right thing to do you know we try to have that brother to brother talk with them and a lot of times he said sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't he said there were plenty of times where he let people go when they should have took them down because they know that the system is you know uh, systematically against African Americans so he said as he wore his badge he tries to you know be a positive influence and he tries not to take people to jail if he absolutely doesn't have to but he talked about a, a, a number of incidents where he was encountered, and he had to use chokeholds and all types of stuff because, you know, they were in a fight for their life. And he said, so sometimes people see a portion of the interaction between a cop and a felon, and he said that a lot of times, you know, if someone is hell-bent on breaking a the law, they're going to do it. He said, and their mentality has always been this. He said that if a person is foolish enough to run up on a police officer that has weapons and the whole and the backing of the whole police force, then this person is probably crazy. And they take that approach, like, oh my goodness, if you don't roll up on me, what you gonna do to Joe Smo, the friendly civilian? So l- let me ask you, Johnny, when you know, when he said this to me, I was listening to this guy and I was like, Yeah, 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 here's another guy that's, you know, supporting his his people. But then as I talked to him, I realized that he's serious. Then he, brought, he he threw it back on me, and he said, you're in the military. He said, you know, what happened if blah, blah, blah. I said, well, I never was in a hand-to-hand combat situation. However, I do remember taking uh, courses, taking the, you know, the course you go through when you have your gun and you go through the simulator. And I remember there was one situation where I actually shot an innocent person because it was so intense, the scenario that as soon as somebody blink, I shot him. Now, I'm not formally trained as a police officer, but what he's saying is when you get into a fight with somebody, you know, it's all, it's you know, hey, you go for what you know because that person is trying to take you down and more than likely is trying to prevent you from seeing your family. And he says the one thing that he always thinks about when he engages a, a suspect is the fact that, when they get into a straight-up confrontation hand-to-hand, and he's told me on numerous occasions they've tried to grab his weapon, he said he thinks about his wife and his young child, and he's going to do whatever he needs to do to get home. Is that a bad mindset to have, Johnny, when you're in those situations? No, it really and truly isn't. Um, let me just uh, start at, 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 at day one. Um at day one, you take an oath, and and Jay, like you said, uh, you know, you and I, we we took an oath with 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 the military. And if yeah. if you think about those those days that we was on that wall, okay, and those moments where we would have alerts. Now, we frequented the downtown areas of Germany quite often, and we socialized, yeah. and we didn't do anything that would raise alarm. 
that we were the stereotypical ugly American. Would you agree? I agree. Okay. But now when those tanks went in front of those gates and we were on alert and you were on that fence line and you were on guard duty, at that point yeah. in time, the face didn't matter if someone tried to uh, infiltrate that particular area, correct? So you look at the bigger correct. picture. Your training will naturally kick in. Now, I'm an individual who started in a system where opportunities were not as robust uh, during the early part of my career, and I just so happened to be in and around a location uh, where, where God obviously saw early on that this is your purpose. So I became an original door kicker, and I was on special teams, and then ultimately for, for years was the director of, of task force and, and our, our special operations team and, and, and our sniper teams and our emergency response team. So all of these here fell up under my purview. So there is a, 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 an, an intentional approach that I've always taken. But when it was all said and done, it really was about being a person who could stay in the moment, but then also a person who understood that, you know what, I may have to neutralize the situation. Now, what I have found is that our community also is representative of what they see on television. So, yeah, there was times where I would sit there and I would look at my Caucasian brethren who would, who would show up in a situation and get a totally different reaction from those individuals that we were responding to than I would. I've been called Toby. I've been called Tom, okay? Now, I'm going with the rationale and the mind of, you know what, I'm going to be as impartial to the process as possible because I done been on the other side. But then it also can trigger a, a non-reaction and get you killed as well. So the reality of it is, is this here. When it's all said and done, I got a right to go home to my family. So I always, for, first and foremost, keep keep my obligation to my stakeholders. And part of the stakeholders is my family. Now, to date, I've never been charged or alleged to have done anything outside the scope of the responsibility. Have I had officers that have? Very much so. I've dealt with those individuals who have violated SWIFT and, and, and with, with great punity. Some of them have been internally disciplined. Some of them have been charged. Some of them have been dismissed. But the reality is that I have set a bar of expectations to where you are going to execute your duties, but you're not going to be excessive in how you do so. But the reaction of, of, of your community, the people who you serve, can also can also be reflective as well. So we talk about bias being one way, but then also bias is another way, where it, it's almost like that, you know, <laughs> that, that mentality, like, like I owe you something, okay? So, you know, it, it, it really travels both ways. So I, I'm really mindful of what, the, of what the law enforcement officer said, um, you know, the, the, the gentleman that you talk to but there is a balance to that uh, as well and you know from, from a standpoint of having stood on both aspects of, of, of this corner you know I understand both elements of it and as, as much as possible 
I've tried to be as fair as possible, but like, you know, there's no perfection in this room and I'm not sitting a bit trying to act like, okay, I don't wrote the book on, on being perfect because I'm far from it. But for the most part, I sleep well at night because when it's all said and done, I'm okay with the decisions that, 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 that I've had to make over the years. And I'll be okay with the decisions that I have to make today and moving forward. Because what I've tried to do is centermize around the being in the most high who has given me an opportunity to serve his will and fulfill my purpose. You know, every, every day that, that, that I get ready to take, take, take on my role, I always ask for the humbleness, love, compassion, and a sound mind. Those are the things that I ask for every day. I pray for those that, 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 that work. I pray for those that I serve, and I pray for the family and that support all of those stakeholders. So, it, it, it you know, it, it's a situation where, you know, every single day you, you've got to have you, you've got to have the big picture in mind. And and I'll and I'll say this again: the process is really in the performance, and you're gonna continuously have incidents and, and things. Uh, you know, I go back to, to the to the Atlanta shooting with Mr. Rayshard Brooks, and I, I remember pausing and not making a comment, yay or nay, because at the time the facts weren't there. I think I did say that, that the mayor of Atlanta uh, probably acted too abruptly and didn't allow the investigation to take place. I still say that. Now, given the same circumstances, okay, Given the same circumstance, and I tell you where my mentality is, uh, you know, good or bad. So the reality of is, is this here: I understand what the officer did, because unless you've ever been tased, you don't know how that would make you immobile. And and I get beat up. I mean, my family. I mean, they like, oh God, you know, you you are terrible. But the reality of it is this here: they've never been tased. They don't know that you've become immobile. So until the investigation plays itself out, then I can't sit there and and, and, and condemn that officer for doing what he did because I understand that the taser is no, it's, it's not a means of deadly force. But when put in the hands of a person who's trying to use it against a law enforcement officer, it can immobilize you and get you killed. So that's, that, you know, that those are the things that you deal with every single day. And like I say, my, my, my family, hey, to this very day, I don't know if there's anybody in, 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 my, in my immediate or extended family who shares the same values with me, but then also they don't have my experiences either. Interesting you say that. Um, hmm. You know, I, I tell you, uh, well, look, before I say that, let, let me, Mr. Elias, let me give you an opportunity to comment um, on um, the words of, you know, this police officer. When you're in a fight, man, you're in a fight. And, you know, the, you know, you always hear this, uh, you always hear people say, I'd rather be judged uh, by 12 than carried by 6. And he said, and when they get into these confrontations, and he just texts me, actually, so he is listening. Well, he was listening. He ain't listening now because the show's over with. He's asked me how to get in. I can't. He can't. He can't get in now because he had to call before the show ended. But he did hear the little comment before the end of the end of the show. And and so you know, it's this situation when you're in these real life situations. You know, the bottom line is is that uh, you're not thinking about that. You have a guy that's trying to take a, a trying to unholster your weapon. 
that's high on something. And the bottom line is, is that you try to get over to your family. And if somebody saw the videotape of you putting somebody in a chokehold or something, you know, whatever the case may be, then it's a different situation. Here's something he wanted me to emphasize when I talked to him because he said, I know people are going to go back to the Eric Garner situation. He said, once again, he said, I, that was wrong. That officer should have been charged. He said, that's, those are not the type of situations that I'm talking about. He said, the type of situation I'm talking about is when you in hand-to-hand combat with somebody, then all of a sudden somebody can get a videotape and catch the end of it after you've gotten this guy under control, and all of a sudden here you are on the news being, you know, saying that, you know, you put a legal hold on somebody when you didn't see the first five minutes of that fight. So, you know, once again, when you think about it, do you do you understand? Because one of the things that he concluded when we were talking was that it's make, he says some of this stuff is making it hard to police because now officers are well aware that they could be taped. And so now they are approaching things slightly different. He said, and when that situation happened between him and his, his friend, he said that was pretty much what the situation was because they kind of confronted black folks like they always confront them. They try to be non-threatening and his partner got shot and killed because of their approach and their tactics. So do you understand a little bit about what this man is saying about the ability to properly police and when you get into these situations you know, hey, it's man against man, mano mano. Somebody gonna walk away, and I'm gonna be that one that's gonna walk away. I'll deal with the consequences later, but right now I'm trying to survive. Oh, I, I truly understand it, but I just want the same, the same response when it's black or white. You dig what I'm saying? Because you had an armed militia who was in the state capital of Michigan pushing police, spitting on them, and doing everything else. Not one arrest. Not one thing happened. So I just want the same the same response that you give them is the same response I want for black folks. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Because they didn't do nothing to them. They don't do nothing to the armed militia. That, I mean, the armed militia had to really be pushing them real far to, 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 to have something happen to them. That's, that, that, that's, that's, that's my only, only great with the police. Make it fair for everybody. That's it. You know, uh, interesting. All right, so here's here's the deal when 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 we look at at certain things. Um, you talk about being, you know, being African American and you know things that we're supposed to do as African Americans and how we should react to certain things. And when I think about, you know. This conversation that we're having, I'm going to let you guys go here in a sec. I just wanted to get your thoughts. I wanted to get more of an in-depth thought uh, about this. Um, one of the things that he and I talked about a long time ago, and I'm just going to bring it here because it's kind of along these lines, he talked about how he, he, he gave me an example of the Sandra Bland video. He said, did you go back and look at that video? I said, yeah, I looked at it. He says, man, he says, how many times did that, uh, that officer ask her to get out of the car? And I said, well, I don't know. I didn't count. He said, go back and count, and then, you know, call me back. So I went back and I counted, and I think it came out to almost 9, 10, maybe 11 times. I can't remember the count because this conversation happened a while back. And he said, and I know people are going to get upset when I say this. He said, but why didn't she comply with the officer? And then I said, no, wait a minute, hold on. And, you know, bottom line is she asked that officer this, that, and the other. He said, true. He said, but. 
Why didn't she comply? And I said to him, I said, so what are you trying to say that he was, I said, he said, no, I'm not saying that. He said, I'm not saying that he was right. I'm just saying, why did she not comply? He said, the message that I always tell brothers and sisters when I roll up on them on the street is that, hey, there are cops out here are waiting for you to give them an excuse to do something to you. If an officer asks you to do something, do it. Fight that battle differently. File a complaint. And I told, you know, and I told the story here on the air, I think I did, what happened to my middle daughter. When she got pulled over by the police, she called me crying. At the end of the day, that cop was fired in front of us. We were behind uh, a one-way mirror where he couldn't see us, but we could see him. And my daughter identified him as the guy who pulled her over. They fired him right then and there. Took his weapon, escorted him off the premises. And so, I guess the reason why I bring that conversation up, because I want to fast forward to this situation with Jacob Blake. You know, they were telling him to stop. And this is what I understand about my people. Johnny, if a cop tells you that he's giving you a lawful order to stop, you need to stop. Self-preservation is the key. Had he just stopped, he would be walking today. Now, people are going to listen to that and say, oh, you're trying to justify justify what they did to him. No, I'm not trying to justify what they did to them. What I'm trying to say is that you have to be smarter than that. I've never gotten pulled over by a police officer and didn't do what they told me to do. Whether I had the right to tell them to kiss off or whatever, I am not going to, not in that situation, argue with the cops. I'll deal with it in a different situation. So, Johnny, when you, you know, when he said that, I was kind of looking at him cross-eyed, but as I went back and looked at the video... Then I went back and looked at some other videos. I went back and looked at some other videos. I said, my goodness, they just would have complied. Who knows what would have happened? And when I make that comment, some people will say, oh, you're trying to, you know, I'm not trying to justify every shooting. That guy who shot that guy in the back in South Carolina and then dropped a weapon by him. I mean, dropped a taser by him. I'm No, I'm not justifying bad cops. But I'm saying that if an officer tells you to do something, why don't you do it? So, my question to you, John, and I'm going to ask you, Mr. Elias, I'm going to let you guys go, and I appreciate the extra time that you guys have, have, have given, not only me, to people who are listening to this through podcast. My question to you is, why don't people comply, man? One of them is do what the cops say do, and live to fight about it and talk about it another day. Do you agree with that? Or should they say, John? I will agree. Like I've been told that, nope. If an officer tells you to do something, you have the right to question them, and you don't have to do anything because you are within your rights. Okay. Okay. Let's say you, John. Jay, I, 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 I will tell you this right here. That's why I have the conversations with, with, with all my children, in particular my, my, my son. I mean, the reality of it is, is that we can stand on principle, and we can sit back and we can say, you know what, I'm an American citizen and I got rights and you can't ask me this right here but I will tell you this right here principles principles and preservation is, is two different things okay so the reality is is that if, if if you feel less than a man less than a woman because you ask to do something by an unlawful order whatever it might be in order to preserve your well-being then it's then the the, the, the likeliness that you'll get an opportunity to do something in regards to filing a report. And in your case, Jay, like I say, 
it, it worked out perfectly. It's not going to always work out where you're going to get due diligence and justice and the officer is going to be disciplined and or fired for being unlawful. But the truth is, is that you'll get an opportunity to present that versus sitting there trying to stand on principle and be like, well, you're just not going to tell me what to do. Now, I don't think that this is what you were doing. You were just simply making a, 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 a comparison in, in Mr. Blake's case. If you stop, would that scenario and situation have been, have been different? Yeah, clearly that officer was should be criminally charged for his excessive force in the maiming and the attempted murder of, of that young man without question. But the truth is, is that when the officer showed up and whenever they tried to engage with him, if he had just simply stopped the situation, could it have been differently? Well, as you said, you're going to have some people out there, well, you Tom and you doing all of this right here. We know who we are, okay? I've been black for 50 plus years, so I also understand those negative interactions with law enforcement officials where I simply have to concede and say, you know what? I'm going to take this whole scenario in. I'm going to look at your name. I'm going to look at your badge number. I'm going to detail the circumstances in my mentality, and I'm going to leave this situation, okay, not only with my dignity but with my life. And as soon as I get an opportunity, I'm going to present this case to somebody else. I'm not going to let you be the, you know, take judgment on me right there in the street because we see it time and time again where it can be fatal. Yeah. What about you, Mr. Elias, man? Well, Jay, um, you know, I look at a lot of these, a lot of videos, the First Amendment videos or whatever. And the police, they constantly, constantly violate your amendments. So, you know, I'm, I'm like this. I, I'll live to fight another day. I will. But when I live to fight another day, I'm going to sue you for all you worth. And I'm going to keep suing you. Because if you violate my amendments, I got a right to sue you. And that's the only thing that people understand is money. That, and you know, if the city gets sued enough, they'll, 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 they'll deal with that also on that, that accord. Because that's that seems to be the only thing people understand is money. Yeah, and and so you know, I, once again, I I really truly think because I know I've gotten into argument with friends before about this, and and they you know oh you know you're wrong for that, and you know the bottom line is is that uh, you know that person should you know that person will have if an officer tells you to do something you know you ain't got to do it if they don't do this that and the other. I'm like okay, you may be right, but at the end of the day, you may be right, but you did. You know, I'm pretty sure, you know, the situation with George Floyd, I watched that video, and, um, you know, George Floyd is no longer here. He has changed the world. But I'm pretty sure he would prefer, him and his family would prefer him to be here, and, you know, versus what's going on. And, you know, I think there are people that, you know, we encounter in our lives, lifetimes, that their purpose was here to serve something that was bigger than themselves. You know, Dr. King gave his life for what he believed in. I'm pretty sure Dr. King's family would have loved to have been celebrating his birthdays throughout the years, but he sacrificed his life for the greater good. And so that's why the comments that, you know, Donald Trump made about soldiers, you know, that that makes it even more 
uh, just disgusting because people are sacrificing their sacrificing their well being to ensure that we enjoy the things that we enjoy today. And so I just wanted to get you guys' perspective on it. I appreciate you cats uh, hanging, um, folks. And, and listen, this is the type of people we have. I mean, you know, we we enjoy what we bring to you every Sunday morning. And so what we try to do is we try to include you in conversations that we have. This is a conversation that if we were sitting in the backyard uh, at a barbecue, we'd be talking about it. If we were, you know, sitting in a restaurant, or if we were, you know, um, uh, just uh, chilling out um, at, at a barbershop, you know, these are the types of conversations that we have, and I think that um, they have been, uh, I think they've been worthwhile. I know a lot of people comment on the things that we do and say, and, you know, there are people out there who are not fans, and I'm not going to sit here and lie about it. There are people out there who I think they just, they're just trolls. They listen to us, and they you know, try to come back and combat everything that we say. Proof proof positive is that we have two people in the chat room that disagree with us vehemently, mm-hmm. but they are here every mm-hmm. Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah. Every yeah. Sunday they're here. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing that they're here. And if yeah. the show doesn't come on, one of them who has access to my personal information, he'll send me a text, what's going on, what's going on, I want to hear the show. So it's amazing when you have these people out there. It's like, do they live to debate uh, what are they really trying to do? And it's amazing. I'll go. I, I can go on the show page right now and guarantee I've gotten all types of messages about this show. And so, we just try to tell you, tell, tell it like it is. We tell you from, you know, through our lenses. These are the things that I see. I don't agree with the fact that Jacob Blake got shot seven times in his back. But if Jacob Blake would have stopped, then the bottom line, Jacob Blake probably would be walking today. I don't agree with the fact that, you know, Sandra Bland, if you go back and look at that video, it started off as a pretty normal stop. Hi, ma'am, how you doing, blah, 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 and then it kind of escalated from there. You know, just my advice, and, Johnny, I appreciate you talking to your young men about it, but, you know, we, a lot of folks have, you know, Mr. Elias, women have, mothers have, have, uh, have sent messages saying, hey, you know, my son, can you please emphasize these points because I'm trying to get my son to understand. I remember the one lady, I can't remember, it was about five, six years ago, I think it was, where the lady was like, I'm going to have him here. She sent a message to we prior. She said, please, I'm going to sit his butt down here. We're going to listen to it together. I want y'all, we were talking about prison reform. So I can't remember what it was, but she brought her son yeah. in to listen to our show. So people listen to what we have to say. And I remember not too long ago, the one person who made the comment about, believe it or not, people out here listening to what you guys are saying continue to lead the fight. So we appreciate that. We appreciate folks who really allow us to come into their homes every Sunday morning. So any final words from your brothers, man, before we close up shop? Johnny, you first. Yeah, you it. Yeah, I'd like to say every, every week I'm just, uh, you know, <laughs> y'all must have heard me, me, me getting scolded, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know what? <laughs> Definitely. But you know, hey, I, I tell you what, like I say, this this has become part of of my life, and like I say, I thank you for giving me this opportunity. I thank you for, you know, thirty plus years of of, of friendship and. And, and, and being a, a big brother and a mentor to me. And Les, I look forward to the day that this pandemic is over with and we can all host a live show and I'll get a chance to, oh, to, to, to meet you. And, you know, I, I tell you, man, this right here gives, really brings perspective to uh, my week. I look forward to, you know, my church family and then I look you know, forward to 
my serious side family, and being able to just be part of the solution. Again, it really is about action. We get here and we talk, but, you know, the reality is there's a lot of us doing a great, you know, doing some good deals. And, and you know, I, I listen to less, you know, paying, paying rent for, for individuals that's out there struggling and stuff like that. That's really what yeah. the serious side means to me. So love love, yeah. love you all, definitely. All right, man. Appreciate you. Tell your wife, man, she can have you. Tell that. Blame it on me. <laughs> Thank you so much. And, and Mr. Elias, man, give me your final one. Give me, give me your closing thoughts, man, before we get out of here. Well, you know something? There's a Bible verse that says, iron sharpens iron. And you know what, man? That That's what we do around here because, you know, everybody's got a different perspective and a different view. And I, I love all that all the way all we come in as a family, we all got our different perspectives and different views. So, this is this is a family, man. It, this the serious side is a family, and I look forward to it every Sunday. I have I have my difficulties getting up in the morning so Sundays, but hey, man, I love it. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Yeah, my final thoughts to you two brothers, man. You guys, I love you unconditionally. You guys are my brothers. No matter who who our mothers are, you know, you guys are my brothers. And speaking of mothers, I want to take this opportunity to uh, say something to a woman that means more to me than anything on this planet. You know, one of the things I always say is that, you know, you can't choose your family. And you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. And I thank God every day for blessing me with this lady, this extraordinary lady that I call my mother. Um, Her birthday was yesterday. I want to wish her a happy birthday. And all I can say is she's not perfect because none of us are. But I am so, 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 so happy and eternally grateful to my Savior for blessing me to be her son. So, Mother, happy belated birthday. I told you happy birthday on your day, but I wanted to make sure I said it publicly because without you, there would be no me. So I love you, and I hope to see you soon. And on that note, Mr. Elias, can we say it one more time for the podcast crew? If it's Sunday, (laughs) and we're talking serious stuff, Mr. Elias, what time is it? It's time for the serious side of the Jay Rowe show. Folks, once again, thank you for allowing us in your home. Thank you for hanging out with us for this little extra time because we know you love it. So for my main man, Johnny D, and for my main man, Mr. L to the E to the S. Once again, I'm Jay Rouse. See you next week. God bless. Be safe. Wear a mask. John, boy, I love you, man. All right, guys, take care, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye, Jay. Bless. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network.